Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campia Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Moonfall Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day. What? That you, our international friends, gather around to talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, all sorts of good things. And sitting right over there, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Robert Moonfall Burnett. Robert, how you doing, sir? John, I you know, I, I don't know if I have uh, will ever recover from the great moon fall of 2022 <laughs> and sitting right beside him of course you know what i'm gonna say it's ray moonfall aura uh, ray how you doing if my eyes are red is because i was crying tears last <laughs> night hoping that the memories will attach itself to those tears and leave my brain <laughs> oh wow that's a poster quote for you right there that's a poster quote uh sitting right beside ray of course is Chris Moonfall Carr. Chris, how you doing? I'm good. I'm just concerned about Ray. Yeah. And other people were too. I woke up to texts and messages being like, poor Ray. Oh, poor I'm so Ray. sad that he was so happy about the movie. That was my number one anticipated movie of the year. Yeah. Yeah, it was. You know, I, I was going to say one of my favorite words in the English language is crestfallen. Oh, I love that it's word. It's a great word, right? I'm never going to use it anymore. I'm just going to say, well, how do you? How was it? I said, I was moonfallen. <laughs> well, we will, of course, uh, talk about Moonfall a little bit later in the show. That's a movie the four of us went to go see last night. But anyway, guys, how you doing? Good to have you here. Welcome to the show. And here's how today's show is going to go, guys. We break the show, of course, up into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. In the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. Now, there's two ways to get a comment or question on the show. Way number one, and the more guaranteed way, is if you are watching live, and only if you're watching live, go ahead and use the Super Chat feature over there in the YouTube chat, and we'll read off all those comments when we get to the end of the main topics. However, if you're watching this video any of the other 22 hours during the day and you want to send in a comment or question, go ahead down into the description of this video and you'll see a tip link. Click on that there or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. Once you guys send that in, you're going to see your comment or question right on this show or an upcoming companion video if we deem your comment or question to be appropriate to be used on our show. And of course, you'll be supporting the channel at the same time and all of us involved with the John Campus Show. Thank you guys very much for your support. One other little bit of housekeeping here, guys. Don't forget, if you need your daily fix of the John Campus Show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, maybe you're commuting, maybe you're at the gym or at work, whatever. Good news, there is the audio-only version of this show known as the John Campus Show Podcast. Just go onto your favorite podcasting app of choice, search for the show today, and subscribe to it so it'll be there when you need it. And thank you to all you guys who have already subscribed to our podcast. Okay, with that down, let's jump into an off-the-top here, shall we? And our off-the-top today is this. Uh, you guys know, I don't care what anybody else says, I am excited for this <laughs> Uncharted movie. I think this is, there's not a lot of video game properties that I really do. There are some, but not a lot of video game properties that I feel have the really good potential to make really good on-screen storytelling work. Uncharted is absolutely one of those franchises. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of talk for a lot of years about doing one. If something seemed to start, then it would sputter, then it would stop. Mark Wahlberg was attached to star as Drake for at least five or six years he was attached to that and it never got off the ground. And then this person, then that Nathan Fillion fan film came out with Stephen Lang in it, which was great. And then they announced that Spider-Man, Tom Holland was going to play the role. It's fair to say that 
a lot of people online weren't happy with the casting. I, however, was. I, it's like the Ben Affleck casting as Batman all over again. Nobody was happy with it, but I was. And because I thought this guy, number one, main thing, get a talented performer. And even though Tom Holland has been in some pretty bad movies, he has always acquitted himself very well in those movies. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not a big fan of Cherry, but his there, you can take nothing away from his performance. No, he was really, really good. Uh, and then we I keep forgetting the name of the movie he just did with uh, Daisy Ridley. The one that got delayed Chaos, like three years. Chaos, Chaos Walking. Walking. Yeah, Chaos Walking. That, uh, yeah, they just never should have reshot that. They should have just let that one go. But but again, his performances were really good. They want to go a little bit younger. They want somebody who can play the role for a while. Great. Then the trailer started to come out. You know, I don't care what anybody else says. I like the trailers. I think they've been good. Well, today... They've dropped what they are calling their final trailer. They're calling it the final one that it's out. And again, one of the best things from one of the previous trailers to me, the flying pirate ships are back. <laughs> I am telling you everything from the voice of Antonio Banderas. So much blood. <laughs> oh, Antonio. He's sassy, sassy minx you. Like, like his, his voice is just dynamite i like the the chemistry we're seeing in the trailers between Wahlberg and tom holland i'm actually digging it a lot and i'm buying into tom holland as a young uh nathan i'm buying into it now i know there's a lot of people out there who wanted nathan fillion to play the role i know i get it but nathan is 50 something yeah and i i don't know you can start and he's he's got the rookie going i love him in the rookie I just know you can start a brand new, what you hope to be a 10, 11, 12, 13 year long franchise. I don't think you can start with a guy who's 50. I, I just don't think it's a good place to start. So this new trailer comes out and it was, had some of the highlights of a lot of the other trailers. I'm just telling you, I'm all on board for this. The, every trailer I see just gets me more and more on board. And I know there's a lot of people who still aren't and that's fine. And listen, maybe this movie's going to be garbage. Maybe it'll be absolute tripe, but you know what? Just like Moonfall, I'm going to go into that tripe with high expectations and high hopes. And uh, and if it sucks, it sucks. But I'm hoping for the best. Rob, and you've been watching, you've been following this, this saga of the mm. development of Uncharted. For, we've been talking about it for years. The final trailer is now here. You had a chance to see it. What did you think about the trailer? And now that we're heading into the home stretch, what's your expectations like for this movie? Well, look, as I've told you, the Uncharted franchise, when I played the first game, it was the first time I felt that video games and movies could find a mutual ground. I mean, I love the character, the voice acting. I love the cutscenes. I love the story. And I love the gameplay. It was the first time I sat down and played a video game from beginning to end. I was obsessed. That said, when I first heard about the casting, Mark Wahlberg as, as Sully and then Nathan Drake being played by Tom Holland, I'm like, wait, what? Tom Holland's just too young to play Nathan mm. Drake. I mean, Nathan Drake is, is an updated Indiana Jones. I mean, I don't think anyone's making any... Uh, it's obvious from the game that he is that in that mold. But I'm like, you know what? As I watch these trailers, and like you, John, when I saw the flying Spanish galleons <laughs> being being uh, hoisted aloft by these helicopters, and and then when they're in the air, there's pirates fighting. You know, it's I'm like, this is a I'm in. And this final trailer, it's cut very fast. It's it's it reminded me of an action movie from the 80s, like a fun action movie from the 80s. <laughs> and and it's not it's not. It, it, it just seemed like like if Goonies was good, maybe that's what we'd be getting. The you new would Uncharted. the good name of Goonies? <laughs> Rob, Rob doesn't like Goonies. He doesn't like Hook. 
Do you not, not like joy? <laughs> he doesn't like happiness. Goonies <laughs> has, 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 is a movie that has gratuitous kissing in it. There you go. Never thought I'd heard that phrase before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Again. But, but, but yeah, anyway, Chris, though, you had a chance. You're watching these things. You, you've been seeing this unfold. Where has your Uncharted expectations been like since they announced Holland? And, and what did you think about the new trailer? And where are those expectations now? I mean, I, I have been one of those people who wants the Internet's boyfriend, Nathan Fillion, to be Drake. Um, I loved the Uncharted games. I loved them so much. And I love that short film. It's so good. The short the one film's he really made. fun. If you guys haven't seen it, please do yourself a favor and watch it. It's amazing. Um, and I understand not starting the franchise off with somebody who's 50, but Nathan Fillion is in like the best shape of his life right Oh, he's right a phenomenal now. shape. Oh my yeah. gosh. So, I mean, I would watch him go find treasure and stuff. I'd watch Nathan Fillion do anything. He could just read a phone book and I'd be there. This trailer, though, is fun. I will give you that. It yep. is fun. The pirate ships, Antonio Banderas, that chemistry between Wahlberg and Holland is really, really great. He is just still so young. I'm not going to totally poo-poo it. It looks like it's going to be a fun time. And Tom Holland, you know, say what you want about him. He can sell a stunt. He can sell a fight. So yeah. I am excited about that aspect. I'm going to go in cautiously optimistic, I think. You raise a good point. He brings... Uh, I, I, something I don't think Tom Holland gets enough credit. He can bring a real physicality to it. Absolutely. Be I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but because of his dance background and all that stuff that he oh, can yeah. do, I don't doubt that a lot of stuff we're going to see in this movie, obviously in the danger stuff, you get stunt people. But I think a lot of the stuff we're going to see in this is going to be him doing it. Ray, I got to ask you, though, like you've been watching, you've seen the trailers, you've seen all kind of stuff. And wh where are you thinking right now for this uh Uncharted? What do you think about the trailer? I'm going to have to agree with someone in the chat. What someone in the chat said earlier, it's uh, this may be a miscast with Tom Holland. I just don't see Nathan Drake in any of these trailers and I get less excited for it. I love Tom Holland. I just don't know about this movie. I mean, they're, they're pretty much showing the same pirate ship scene in both trailers, meaning that might be the only thing that we get in this movie. That's going to be the bang. And then everything else is just rummaging through like caves and whatever i don't know i if they release another trailer it's gonna have to be something that actually makes me want to see it but right now i think i'll wait for it wow what a buzzkill man come on i dude. know <laughs> man man it's just wow i, I might be falling now it really moon, hurt him moonfall i'm moonfalling right now it's destroyed me ray will never trust i am again. never going in front of a I will never love. What, what's what is it? Princess Buttercup says. Yeah, Princess. I will never <laughs> love again. That's I will right. watch everything um. on my phone now. Ah, <laughs> oh, them's fighting words. Oh, no. oh well. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this final trailer for Uncharted? Are you really excited for it? Like me? Are you feeling yeah? Like Ray is kind of right now. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Whatever you guys are feeling, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. By the way, before we get into our uh, our main topics here today, I want to share something with the audience. Do you guys remember a while ago, we I, I went off on this little rant about in AMC theaters, <laughs> the fact that we already have so many trailers and so many commercials. And now in AMC theaters, just when now, okay, good, the trailers are done. We can finally start the movie. And then they start another commercial with Nicole Kidman talking about how wonderful AMC theaters are. And it's like, lady, I... I'm in the AMC theater right now. Like, I'm here. You don't have to sell me on it. It's like trying to get somebody to look at your dating profile when you're in the middle of having sex with them. It just seems kind of redundant. <laughs> There's no point. <laughs> so, anyway, we, we go to see Moonfall. You said you were bigger. <laughs> <laughs> we 
went to go see Moonfall. <laughs> My God. We go to see Moonfall, and it was an AMC investors screening. So there were some AMC people there, AMC investors. And sure enough, they put up the Nicole Kidman thing. And, and a bunch of people, not everybody, some people in the audience were laughing at it. But some people in the audience were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was one of them <laughs> clapping. Because I, it, it you were clapping. I'm like, what are you clapping for it this It tricks for? me every time. I swear, the intro, it's almost like the movie's going to start. And I just clap because I'm like, oh, you got me again. Yeah, you got me. Well oh, done. You got me again, You got Nicole. me again. I will I say this. For for a, a thankless job, she sells those lines. Oh, oh. Take, she sells those she's lines, She's a goddess. Man. Are you she, kidding me? She really does. Nicole Kidman's a goddess. But Anne watched that rant of mine that, that I did on the whole thing. And I did not know this, but she bought me a present that arrived yesterday. And so when I got home from the Moonfall screening, it was waiting for me in the living room. And that present, I'm going to see if you guys can see this, was this. <laughs> what bravo and it's the <laughs> Anne decided to go out and get me uh get me this thing right here you see it on your monitor ray somehow heartbreak feels good in a place like this oh my god <laughs> Anne got a t-shirt <laughs> of it so i just wanted to give a shout out to Anne, who is always like gets the coolest stuff okay all right guys with all that silliness out of the way Let's now move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here in the John Campion Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here in the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampionshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? This is from Dave Gallman. I just saw from The Hollywood Reporter that the writer from Moon Knight and The Umbrella Academy is now writing a sequel to Mortal Kombat. I can say I did love the way the latest movie looked, but the story and choices made dulled my overall uh, feelings toward it. How do you all feel knowing a better story is almost the only way this can go? And how are your anticipation levels for Mortal Kombat 2? Thanks for all you do and keep on the great content. B-O-T-F, baby. All right. Thanks a lot for writing that in, Dave. And yeah, listen, I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't love the Mortal Kombat movie. No. I, I mean, I, I had some excitement for it. I mean, the tra oh my God, those trailers for Mortal Kombat? When you saw Sub-Zero and Scorpion fighting... And that, like, Scorpion, or sorry, Sub-Zero, slicing a guy open and then freezing that dude's blood spatter into a spike and then stabbing him with his own blood is one of the greatest things, I think, ever to put on a Hollywood screen, ever. I or, mean, Or streaming. Or yes, <laughs> yes. So, I mean, the trail was great. The hype was real. Went in. Some of the fighting was pretty good, but overall the movie was pretty nonsensical. I mean, I didn't absolutely hate it, but to me it was pretty much a letdown. Its box office also did not, you know, blow any doors off. It did do terribly. It could have done no. much worse. And it did all right for HBO Max. HBO Max said they were, they were pretty satisfied with how it did. Not their number one thing or anything like that, but it did pretty well. So... But I'll be honest with you, even though they left it open-ended for a sequel and a lot of people were asking for a sequel, I honestly didn't think, like if I had to put a dollar on it, I wouldn't have thought they would do a sequel. But guess what, guys? 
They are doing a sequel. It's now official. Ooh. They're doing Mortal Kombat 2. Yes. This comes to us from the folks at Deadline who write the following. Based on the video game phenomena created by Ed Boon and John Tobias, Mortal Kombat was released simultaneously in theaters and on HBO Max in April of 2021 during the pandemic, opening at number one at the box office, which as long as you opened, you probably opened at number one, at the box office and ranking among the top feature titles on HBO Max since the platform launched. The film was directed by Simon McQuoid, I'm always sure I mispronounced his name, who produced with Todd Garner, E. Bennett Walsh, and Juan. In last year's Action Fest, an MMA fighter sought out Earth's greatest champions in order to stand against the enemies of Outworld. It was a battle for the universe. So that's the uh, that's what we're getting out of uh, Mortal Kombat. All right. There is an interesting side to this, all right, with Jeremy Slater who is the writer for the upcoming Moon Knight series. More than that, he was also the writer on Umbrella Academy. And I am a big fan of Umbrella Academy. Me too. I think I think that's great. Now, what a lot of articles writing about this story who are excited about it is leaving out, he's also the writer for the most recent Fantastic Four. But whatever. Not everything you're going to write is going to be gold. Everybody's got a bad day at the office, right? So, I mean, I don't know. Excited as the writer from Moon Knight, but then I think, well, I haven't seen Moon Knight yet, so I don't know if Moon Knight's any good. I do know I love the writing on Umbrella Academy. That I know. And I actually think that Fantastic Four movie isn't as bad as some people make it out to be. It's bad. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's bad. But it's but, no Mr. Fantastic dance sequence bad. Uh, it's not Mr. Fantastic dance sequence. All apologies, Mr. Story, but yes, it's not that bad. As a matter of fact, I tell the story before, but when I went to the first screening of it at 20th Century Fox slot, I, I was sitting beside Harloff and about getting towards the end of the first act, maybe about 30, 40 minutes into the movie. I still remember me and Christian looked at each other and went, because we were ex we were all expecting it to be terrible because this was the first screening of it and it was like 48 hours before the movie opened. And it was the first, so we were all expecting this is going to be horrible. But we're about 40 minutes into it, me and Christian look at each other and go, this actually isn't that bad. It's like, yeah, this is this is actually pretty okay. And then it went completely downhill after that. <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, listen, I guess we shouldn't, and I shouldn't really be all that surprised. Mortal Kombat is a world-known IP that is, goes back generations. I mean, there are p people playing Mortal Kombat who learned the game from their dads. I mean, so it, it's got that to it. It did have some decent numbers, even if the movie wasn't all that great. So, yeah, we're getting a sequel. It's like, you know what? You bring in a new writer, the guy who, who wrote Umbrella Academy. And let's say, because that was the biggest weakness, I think, of this Mortal Kombat was the writing. I thought the biggest weakness were they, they were okay for a, for a not huge budget movie. The visual effects weren't bad. The fighting choreography was pretty good. It's just the story was terrible. And Ray, I'm sure, is going to bring up a point in a second about who they chose to make their lead, the, right. the lead character. But... Now, there we are. Actually, Ray, let me ask you that because you and me went to go see it when when it came out. You, me, Ray, or you, me, Ryan, and uh, Anne went to go see right. it. I think up in Ontario. Yep. We went to go watch it, and I remember you walking out. One of the first things you said was, "Why was that guy the lead?" or something like that. But wh what did you overall think about that movie? And are you looking forward to another one? Um, I re I liked it. I liked it, but the story was a little whatever uh, to me. Um, I'm always ready for a new Mortal Kombat movie even a sequel i'm excited about this and it's not no disrespect to the writer or anybody it's not really about the writing to me it's about the fights and like if uh 
a fighter has powers, have those effects look cool. And like, you could have a simple story. You could follow even the video game story. That's fine with me. As long as you get these new characters from the newer games in and the fatalities, fatalities in there and they look good. I mean, that, I mean, they should get one of like the top organ special effects guys that actually you or, know, that's a special you know, like that's body a organ. Known specialty in the world yeah, yeah, of visual know, effects the like, organ specialties you know you know how these guys like uh, blow holes into people's bodies physical I want to see that you want to see actual yeah I want to see organ specialist Rob organ specialist right, we're gonna I, I want to become one but you want practical <laughs> not the CGI ones. no no like some some sort of practical like Rob Bottin John right. Carpenter like, the thing style scenes you can you don't need to have a main character just it be a tournament and there's good guys there's bad guys whatever and just some awesome fight scenes and give an hour and 30 it's already six out of ten <laughs> six out of ten when you're an hour 30 it starts at six out of ten for me that's my Ron tomatoes already and then it, you can only go up from there from six out of ten but yeah it should just be about the fights the choreography and uh like that. That's all I care about when it comes to Mortal Kombat. Rob, um, you know, you saw the the one. What were you surprised to hear that they're doing another one? And do you think it has a little bit more potential with the writer attached? Well, wasn't the first Mortal Kombat like a first time filmmaker, a first time director? Oh, I cannot it? remember who directed well, the original. I think what was interesting about that was it was a fairly low budget movie. And while it didn't, you know, it, I don't think it's any great shakes. I think for what it was, like especially compared to the original Mortal Kombat two, the second one. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, <laughs> and so no. it was. It was you know if that's what you wanted. It was fine. It doesn't surprise me that a movie like this was going to get a second film because, first of all, like you pointed out astutely, this is a franchise everybody knows. It's been around for what twenty five years, longer even. Um, the arcade version. How? It, so this is something that's a known IP, and ultimately, if it's done well, it's fun. Like Ray said, if you have a lot of Great fights and great fatalities and great powers. I'd fritter away an afternoon watching uh, something like that. So why not? It's not expensive. Um, you, I mean, yeah, for a film like that, it's not terribly expensive. Uh, Chris, you take a look at this. Are you surprised they're doing another one? Did you think that they would? Are you and Logan excited for this one? I don't know. What do you think? So, I mean, full disclosure, y'all. Mortal Kombat, I think, is the last thing we talked about before I went into my back to pod. And like didn't see. Oh all wow, the really? Oh, and I was I was so excited. And we talked about how like this better be so grisly. I want to see heads flying off. I want all this. And then I didn't see the movie. Oh my wow. god. I didn't see it. I and Logan and I were, we were so hyped for it. And then we just never got around to it. I don't know. We were watching Lucifer on repeat. There was um, a lot going on in the world. There, yeah. it's, it's been a time. Um, but the fact that the Umbrella Academy writer is on here, because that's the one I'm clinging to, too. Season one of Umbrella Academy, I was a little hesitant on because it deferred from the IP so much. And then season two was so good and oh, it was so, so well great. written. It's so smart that that does make me feel really good about this. So if we keep it at Ray's runtime <laughs> and we get that good writing in, I think we got a solid thing here. I am surprised they're making it, but that's, you know, I really can't say much about since i didn't see it <laughs> all right guys question is for you what do you think about this that they are moving ahead and making a mortal Kombat 2 are you thinking my goodness why you're thinking yes we're going to get the follow-up to that one however you guys are feeling about it jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that down let's take a second pay some bills and thank the sponsor of today's video the good folks over at liquid iv we want to take a minute and thank the sponsors of this video, Liquid IV. Now listen, just one stick 
of Liquid IV added to 16 ounces of water will hydrate you faster and more efficiently than just water alone. It contains five essential vitamins like B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course vitamin C with three times the electrolytes as traditional sports drinks. And what makes Liquid IV so effective is the science of cellular transport technology or CTT. You see, it's designed to enhance rapid absorption of water and other key ingredients into your bloodstream faster and more efficiently. It tastes great and it's a great thing to take when you feel run down, you need your daily hydration boost, or even a little bit of hangover recovery. You know, Ann and I get up pretty early in the morning to go to the gym because we can't go to the gym at any other time during the day. And for the last couple of weeks, I have been drinking one full glass of water with Liquid IV. And all I can tell you is you can feel the difference during the workout. So go and grab Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code CAMPIA at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code CAMPIA, that's C-A-M-P-E-A, at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today when you go to liquidiv.com. And remember, use the promo code at checkout, CAMPIA. All right, thank you to the folks over at Liquid IV. Remember, guys, if you go down, use that link, click on it, and use the promo code CAMPIA. Not only are you getting something great, but you're also getting it at a great deal, and you're supporting the John Campus Show at the same time. So thank you again to the folks at Liquid IV. Okay, with that down, let's move into main topic number two. Chris, what is our second main topic today? Topic two is coming from Shahan. Hey, John and crew, Toby, Andrew, and Tom have officially given their first interview together since the release of No Way Home. What did you make of the interview and the whole including Tom Holland's statements about his future as Spider-Man, and also Toby having said that his chapter of Spider-Man isn't closed yet? I'll tell you what. I mean, whenever a movie comes out, there's a million interviews and all the press appearances and all that kind of stuff. Peter Hammond over a Deadline ended up getting the three Spider-Men together. He got Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland all together to talk. And I, I think it's the first interview I've seen with the three of them really all together. They, it might've happened at another point in time, but this was the first one that I saw. And I'll tell you what, Hammond, I don't think is really known as a, as a, as an interview guy. This is a great interview. I thought so too. It's, it's a really, really good interview. And there's a lot of stuff that comes out of this interview with them talking that not only gave gave us as readers some background as to you know Tom's mentality going into the movie but also what brought Toby into this project what brought Andrew into this project and it's a good size like there's a half hour interview of it on there's not like one of these typical PR 3 minute interview pieces this is like a half hour long and I think there's some really, really good stuff in here, hearing them talk about this project and what brought it together. And there's a couple, I, I want to ask you guys here, like what some of your big takeaways were from the interview. Uh, let me give you just a couple of mine. One for me that I loved was when they asked Andrew Garfield, you know, basically why you did it. And he was like, oh, like what brought you on board? And he said, for me, it was just waiting to see if Toby was going to do it. Where Toby goes, I follow. Which, I mean, that may sound like, okay, oh yeah, he's, no, no. But when you go back to that iconic event when Andrew Garfield snuck into the Hall H Spider-Man panel at Comic-Con 
and went up to the mic and told the story about why the Spider-Man movie, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man movies meant so much to him and how, how key they were to him and blah, blah. When he says in this interview, I was just waiting to see if Toby would do it because where Toby goes, I follow. That wasn't a line. Like that, that's really him saying, yeah, listen, he's one of my idols. If he says we do it, I'm going to do it. And I thought that was incredible. I thought that was a really, really great moment that wasn't just a funny little joke. Right. And and I love that. Of course, one of the big takeaways is when um, Pete Hammond asks Tom Holland, are you going to be back as Spider-Man again? So this is what Tom Holland said to that. The truthful answer, and I've done a whole press tour where all I do is lie. The truth is, and you're not going to like the truth. I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, this film for me was as special as an experience as there ever could be. Sharing the screen with these guys, talking about Toby and Andrew, playing Spider-Man could be quite an alienating experience because, you know, we're the only three blokes who have done it. Well, there was a TV movie of Spider-Man, wasn't there? That a guy might a argue with that. TV series, Nicholas Hammond. That's right. That was all, and there's the Japanese Spider-Man as well. That's right. Now, we're the only three blokes uh, who have done it. Uh, so to share that with you two, it's been such a wonderful experience, of which I have such amazing memories. I don't know. I know I love this character, and I know that I am not ready to say goodbye, Holland said. But if it's time for me to say goodbye, then I will do so proudly, knowing that I've achieved everything I wanted uh, to with this character, and sharing it with these boys will be forever one of the most special experiences of my career. So, if it's time, it's time. If it's not, it's not. But at the moment, I don't know. Now, we're coming out of a period of time with these Spider-Man films where all these guys have done is lied, including Andrew Garfield and whatever. And so you would be forgiven if you were to take the skeptical approach and, and saying, I don't believe a thing Tom Holland is saying because all these guys have done about Spider-Man is lie. And you would be rational to believe, to think that. I'm going to tell you why I believe Tom Holland. And here's why I believe. Now, understanding what is it I believe, he says, I'm not done with this character. I believe that. He wants to play Spider-Man more. But I also believe him when he says he doesn't know. Because a little while ago, there was a quote taken out of context by Kevin Feige that people ran with, saying, Kevin Feige confirms they're making Spider-Man 4. Kevin Feige confirms they're making Spider-Man 4. And everybody ran with that. But when you went back and actually read the full interview... Because it wasn't just Kevin Feige. It was Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal. And right before Kevin said that, to understand the context of what Kevin was saying, Amy Pascal was basically asked about, you know, some comments she had made before about, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. She said, look, we as producers, we're always hopeful. Yeah, nothing's official, but we're, we're hoping that this is what we're going to be able to do. We're, we're, we're looking forward and whatever. It's within that context that then Kevin Feige said the comments he made. So what do, what do I believe? I believe Tom is telling the truth. He wants to do it. I think Kevin wants to do it. I think Amy wants to do it. But whether or not it can be done is not officially known yet. They're already generating their ideas. We know they're already putting some pitches together and they're already developing ideas for where it can go. But I completely believe Tom here when he says, but I don't know if we're doing it or not. Now, there's going to be another Spider-Man with Tom Holland. Of, of that, I have very, very little doubt. But I think 
what Amy Pascal, Kevin Feige, Tom Hollander are saying is the appropriate thing to say because until it's 100% and until it's signed on the dotted line, until all that kind of stuff is done, you got to say you don't know and you're telling the truth. But he's also letting audiences know, just so you know, I'm not done with the role. Like, I, I want to keep playing him. If it's time, it's time. But I want to keep playing him and I think he's telling the truth. Those are a couple of things that stood out to me in this interview that I thought were really special. Rob, as you read over this interview with these three guys, what were some of the big takeaways for you that kind of stood out to you as a part of it? Well, one of the things that I thought was the best for me in terms of this interview is Andrew Garfield addresses why the MCU is so successful and what the approach should be to any franchise property. He basically said making this movie, working with John Watts, the director, was like making an independent film that our characters and the way they interacted, it was almost as if we're, we're, forget about the spectacle, forget about the visual effects, we're making an indie character piece. And it's it's that humanity and that characterization. Then this is why the Marvel Cinematic Universe works. One of my favorite scenes in any of the MCU movies is actually in Endgame when Captain America comes in and is talking to Black Widow. You know, she's behind her desk, the weight of the world is on her, you know, it's been five years since the blip. They don't know what they're doing. Captain America's talking about, I, you know, I saw whales in the East East River today. And and it's the that That's is a great the, moment. That is the reason why the MCU is a different franchise than any other franchise, because they they concentrate first and foremost on these characters and on the performances. You can surround anybody, you can have as many things blowing up as you want, but if you don't like these people and you don't care about those quiet moments. And if you don't have those quiet moments, these meaning it's all it's all what is what is the phrase? Sound and thunder meaning nothing. What is it? Sound and fury. Signifying Sound and fury nothing. signifying nothing. That's that's a, what so many franchise properties devolve into. And hearing this could have easily gone that direction. And even Toby and, and Andrew uh, addressed that. They were like, how is this going to work? Like, are we just going to show up and be like, hey, we're here. Do some spider stuff and leave. I think the reason that they were in this film, the reason the movie connects and they talk about this in the interview is that it had meaning. It was like these brothers, everyone said that it was Tom Holland becoming Spider-Man. It took him three, the third movie was actually his final origin story and in dealing with the heartbreak and in hearing the stories of Toby's Peter Parker and Andrew's Peter Parker, it allowed him, that was the, that was the, the thing that allowed him to get through this horrible experience of losing Aunt May, knowing he had these brothers that understood. And that that's not something you normally think about when you think about a typical superhero film. And I think that the fact that all three of these actors felt that way was pretty telling. Chris, when you had a chance to go over and uh, and look at this interview, which I, again, I thought was really, I'm not usually interested by these celebrity interviews. This one I thought yeah. was pretty well done. There's a lot of stuff that they drop in here, but what were the takeaways for you? What did you walk at, away from that interview with? Oh, I mean, echoing Rob, that this film just had so much heart in it, you know, from, from pre-production to the very, very end. Everyone wanted to make this for the right reasons, and that's something that's so palpable when you watch this film. You can tell how emotionally invested everyone is in it. Um, I also just love the camaraderie between these three actors because I yeah. never really thought about the isolation of playing this character. It's a lot like the actors who have played the Doctor in Doctor Who. You know, there's this kind right. of club where it's this shared experience that only the select few have and know about. And it's really lovely to see that they all have taken to each other in real life like brothers and go, hey, we can talk about how just bonkers this experience is. You know, at different times in our lives, we've been part of a worldwide phenomena and now we get to experience it together. That's something I've never gotten to do. How cool. I love all of that. And I'm, I'm just so happy too to see that 
Tom is still interested in making these films because some of the interviews during the press tour, right, have been, well, you know, if this is my last one and if yeah, I'm... which I never bought for yeah, a second. Yeah, that's if a, I'm playing him at a certain age, I'm doing something wrong, I'm so happy he wants to keep playing him. It's a total remember and negotiation tactic Absolutely. as well. And also Tom Holland, as we just pointed out, has Uncharted coming out. And if they made some huge announcement that, well, Tom Holland signs up for six more Spider-Man movies in the MCU with Sony, it would sort of take away from the promotion of a movie that's coming out in two weeks. It would totally get overshadowed. And and I think that's part of it, too. Yeah. You know, one of the other things that really stood out to me from this was when they were talking to Toby and Toby saying he was very articulate, too. uh, No, he's listen, he's he's great. And they they asked him. You know what? What brought you back and all that kind of stuff? He goes, well, you know, um, Kevin and Amy got a hold of me, and they said, you know, we want we want to get together and talk. You know what this is about? I thought that was funny. It's like, yeah, why else would Kevin Feige and and Amy Pascal become? You know what this is about? It's like, okay. So he said, you know, so he said I was interested, but when he said when I met with Amy and Kevin. And just understood that they wanted this to be a celebration of three generations of Spider-Man. It wanted just to be a celebration of Spider-Man and and establish Tom's mm. real true origin. I thought that was interesting. But here's what I thought was really cool about what Toby said. That is a part of this I don't think any of us think about. I certainly didn't. He goes, you know, a lot of people are focusing, I'm paraphrasing here, about on Tom, Andrew, and me. But the people who have been on this entire Spider-Man journey has been Amy and Kevin. They've they've true. been a part of this for 20 years. Yeah. This is their journey. And they're bringing it to this point. And he said, sitting there with them, and again, I'm paraphrasing, you can go read it in the interview yourself, but he says, uh, sitting there with them and seeing their heart for it and their love for it and them really want to make this celebration. And I'm just realizing I get to be a part of this. Um, I thought that was really telling too. Yeah. And it, it, it ended up with something very, very special. You know, a lot of people talk about the three finger pointing Spider-Man and stuff like that. Hey, that's fine. But for somebody like me, who I remember I was in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana for Star Wars Celebration. We were screening our film at Star Wars Celebration that year. And me and my buddy, we drove to Indiana. Indiana. And then the VP of Lucasfilm, a buddy of mine was a director at Lucasfilm, and they invited me, my buddy, the director of Blair Witch Project and about four other people to go to a movie theater later that night where we get to privately watch the first Spider-Man movie. This is like two or three weeks before it came out. And we're like, all right, there's like eight of us in the theater. And we took over down there. And I remember watching that Spider-Man movie and being so wowed by it. Like, I I didn't like it as much as like, say, X-Men or stuff like that. But I just like, I can't believe they're actually able to do Spider-Man. And then when I'm sitting in that theater watching Spider-Man No Way Home and you see the three guys standing together. I, I mean, honestly, Andrew coming through the portal, oh, it was cool. And when Toby comes through the portal, that was cool. Seeing the three of them together talking to each other and I'm realizing this is three generations of Spider-Man in a real celebration. That was really special. And, and reading this interview, you could really tell that wasn't lost on these guys. Yeah. And I thought that was really, really cool. Also, when they were talking about when they first got together, like getting all three of them in a room, that story they were telling about how when all three of them were in their suits, they were wondering like, I don't know, did we get this? I don't think we got it. And how John Watts comes over and goes, that was great. That was everything we needed. And they're sitting there going, can't we do, you know, can't we do more? I don't even think they understood the power 
of what it was like to see those three characters. Can you imagine being John Watts seeing these three Spider-Men together and you're directing them? Oh. I mean, it would have been, <laughs> it was great. It's a great interview. You can also watch it on video. It's yeah. on video on Deadline as well. And that dude now gets to just go and direct Fantastic Four. The first family of comic books. And he's like, John, I mean, like John Watts is quickly gone from a guy that who to, oh my God, the spike guy directed the spike. Well, you know, people forget four. too, that's Kevin Feige's strength. John Watts made yep. Pop Car, yes. you know, which is a very cool, another cool low budget Kevin Bacon movie with kids in it. You know, really good movie. And he talks, uh, uh, um, Tom talks about how when they first got together, that John Watts and him were both like terrified. That story he tells where we were in my trailer and we just were meeting and John Watts is terrified and I was nervous and we didn't know if it was going to work. And now we get to the end of No Way Home. And of course it did work. But Kevin Feige pulled that director, pulled John Watts out of an indie, an indie film. And that sensibility is what kept kept those movies the way they are. Well, where did Kevin Feige get the Russo brothers from? Yeah. TV right? and low budget. Where did you get Peyton Reed from? I mean, Peyton Reed already had some, but that's Feige's been so good at that. Anyway, mm -hmm. we're getting a little bit off topic. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, anyway, guys, the question is for you. Have you had a chance to read this interview or watch the video of it on Deadline? It's really quite fascinating. I think there's a lot to take away from it. If so, what were your biggest takeaways in it? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down... Let's move on to main topic number three. Chris, woo! What is our third main topic today? Thank you for that Ric Flair. Yeah. That's what is great. it, Chris? We're talking Moonfall, y'all. <laughs> Casey Houseman writes in, Hello, John and crew. You all just had the chance to see the most anticipated movie of the year, Moonfall. I was wondering what you all thought of the movie, even though it was probably a 10 out of 10 with the future 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So what are everybody's thoughts on the movie, especially Ray and Rob? P.S. Did you did the movie make you more excited for Moon Knight? <laughs> so, yeah. For those of you who don't know, yesterday, oh boy. a bunch of us, all four of us, we went to go have dinner. By the way, had a, had a fantastic dinner. Uh, went to Yard House there in Burbank. I hadn't been to that restaurant in a bit. And uh, we pre-gamed at uh, Yard House and then made the walk over to the theater the to, long walk. The long walk <laughs> to go see Moonfall. And I knew when we walked into the theater and it was three quarters empty, 30 seconds before the movie was supposed to start, I knew. As I, what did we say before the show? Man, is this Moonfall or Spider-Man No One Home? It, oh. Like We walked in there and not a lot of people say, all right, all right, all right, let's, let's sit down. Let's get our seats. Let's watch this thing. Listen. When you're going into a movie called Moonfall, you don't have a lot of expectations. I am not expecting Shakespeare, even though Roland did do a Shakespeare film. Which is pretty good. Which is actually pretty good. I like his uh, anonymous. anonymous. But I was not expecting Shakespeare. I just want to go in some big boggled destruction, you know, calamity, whatever, and some unlikely heroes coming through to save the day. That's all I'm really looking for. I don't need a lot. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't go in with the same expectation levels that Robin Ray did. I think it's not possible to go in with higher expectation levels than Robin Ray did. This movie is awful. It's, I, it was so bad. I mean, there, there's a point in the film where Halle Berry is talking to her boss. This is where I really knew. This is where I knew. And the boss is like, he's the head of Nassau. 
It's like, don't forget, you work for me. And Halle Berry is, I work for the American people. And I'm like, oh boy. The noise that came out of you was so great. Yeah, because I'm sitting right beside, I'm sitting right beside Chris and I'm like squirming. I'm squirming. I'm like, going, oh, oh. It's like I almost had gastrointestinal pain. I'm like, oh. And then, and look, all I want is some great destruction. I feel, what year, Rob, what year did Day After Tomorrow come, or the, the what was it called? Is it Day, Day After, after Tomorrow? The Day After Tomorrow, yeah. What, what year did that come out? Like 2007 or eight. Okay. The visual Maybe. effects in that movie were better. Yeah. Like, the, the, there were the, the scenes where the, you get your classic, the ones you're going for, those Roland Emmerich scenes of citywide destruction happening, right? Oh, the I'm, water in New York. I'm watching mm-hmm. it, and first of all, the cars, like, for those of you who don't work in visual effects, texture. I mean, you know what texture means, right? It's the, it's the difference between just seeing black versus, oh, you can see the ribbing. You can see what, uh, there's texture. I'm looking at the cars in the street as the water's rushing through. It's like, nobody textured those. You see the buildings. It's like, it looks like somebody sent up. You know what it looked like sometimes? Those old Japanese Godzilla movies where they just mm-hmm. built some structures and the guy in a rubber suit crashed through it. That's what it kind of felt like sometimes. Now, the suit of the alien black blob that we see in the trailers that looked pretty good the visual effects on that i felt like they spent all their money on that so the destruction wasn't even good or fun it made no sense they kept cutting away to characters who are like i don't give a crap about these characters why are we spending time on these characters? we got one set of characters trying to save the human race and the other group of characters trying to get some firefighters oxygen tanks and like why why are we spending time here and why is michael pena being wasted in this movie yeah i it's and then then you get into the third act again i'm not acting asking for shakespeare but then they bring in a plot device in the third act that i'm just like okay i'm just so mentally checked out of this movie now i'm just so checked out i was going in just for some dumb fun and it couldn't even deliver that anyway uh rob you had a chance to go in and see moonfall you were very excited for it and, and I don't think you disliked it as much as me. What, what were your thoughts of it overall? First of all, I, I got to preface this by saying I'm a Roland Emmerich fan. You know, I, Moon 44, his, his, the first feature I saw of his, uh, Stargate, that he did with Dean Devlin and Independence Day with Dean Devlin. I really, I loved all three of those movies, to be honest. I did not like Godzilla. And I think Roland Emmerich, especially these, these giant disaster films, you have a lot of cast and you keep intercutting, you tell these different stories, there's a formula to them. And there is good Roland Emmerich. And I would say that Stargate and Independence Day and even Day After Tomorrow. I, I like Day After Tomorrow. I, I recently watched, rewatched Day After Tomorrow. It's pretty good. The only thing about it I don't quite buy is how quickly the world starts to collapse in terms of its climate and all that. But it's really good. It's beautifully made. Yep. Ben, there's other movies like 2012, you know, or White House Down, which should have been much better than it is. This movie, Moonfall, has a pretty compelling central big science fiction idea yes that they do nothing with and i was incredibly i i think look i am there for all of his disaster movie histrionics and all that but this film had what could have been and i'm not saying it was ever going to be 2001 but it has a really central compelling idea that they breeze over and all of the 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 real when you're making a science fiction film like this you've got to give us enough science fiction that it be it's worth our while. Everything about this movie, I didn't believe. 
I, you know, I like the opening. I thought the opening in orbit, you can watch cool the first opening. Fight. Yeah. Really cool opening. Really intriguing. Really liked it. Patrick Wilson, he is that guy's MVP of this film. He tried to sell every line, even though <laughs> yeah. they can were I, not. He, he, can I ask something? Is it just me? Ray and I were talking about this in the car a little bit last night. Is it just me? Or and I and I'm not joking around here. Patrick Wilson is getting more and more attractive. Like, like, I remember Patrick Wilson was always a great performer, but there's always a little bit of awkwardness to him, whatever. I'm looking at Patrick Wilson, and this is like, first of all, the dude is freaking Hugh Jackman yep. jacked. Mm -hmm. Aquaman 2, probably. Like, even where he's yeah. wearing the long sleeve shirts, the dude is, you're right, he's training for Aquaman 2, but the dude is completely jacked. But, I mean, he's just standing there. It's like, he's his face is more chisels. Like, everything about it's like, he actually looks like a legit leading A-list Hollywood sex yeah. symbol. He looks man. like what you think an astronaut is too. When you're just like, what would an astronaut look like in a yeah. movie? Patrick Wilson. What would an astronaut firefighter look yeah. like? Yeah, that's what I mean. I, and I've never thought of that. I'm just looking. I'm just like, Very dude, nice I'm kind of envious. That dude is looking really good. The older he gets. Sorry, Rob. I just no, had to throw no, that. No, you know what? I'll, no, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. What also what just kind of disappointed me. Like I was. There's some really interesting Chinese science fiction, the three body trilogy that's now being adapted by Weiss and Benioff for TV. Uh, the same author wrote the book, The Wandering Earth, that the film was based on. When I went and saw The Wandering Earth, the Chinese film, that was a huge, big box office. I had such high hopes for it, but it was like this movie. It was all over the place. And the fantasy elements and all this, the, the unreality of it all. Like, as a matter of fact, this would make a great double feature with The Wandering Earth. That when you're watching this, I enjoyed watching this movie, even though it was complete gobbledygook. But it was it was at the end of it, I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have. Like for as silly as this was, it didn't embrace the silliness. Yeah. And it didn't it and I just didn't understand why, like John, that you were pointing out, they were doing these 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 weird choices and i thought they they should have embraced the crazy high the the, the high uh what's it, you know what i'm trying to say um high concept sci-fi concepts that they were dealing with that's what i thought could be really cool and it just kind of got breezed over and i never knew and i'm just going to say this you'll figure it out if you see the movie i didn't know there were condos on Ringworld. <laughs> and by the way, two we have two ring worlds in the same week. We have a ring world in Book of Boba Fett, Fett and yeah. a ring world in Moonfall. By the way, I, I will say this too. It's almost like they should have chosen a path and stuck to it. If you want to make a big, just kind of dumb, fun thing, the moon has fallen. What are we going to do? And you just want to go all in on that? Do it. If you want to do a high concept sci fi idea, do it. But what it was, was it was 90% dumb, 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 dumb. And then try to say, gotcha, with some big high concept sci-fi thing at the end, which did not fit in with the movie Especially the did. way they did it. It was done so yeah. quickly. It's like, I wish I wish that they had the same, take the same concept, and I wish Christopher Nolan had made this movie. A Christopher Ooh. Nolan oh. moonfall? Like, just give this concept to Christopher Nolan? I mean, and and I'm, I'm like you. I like Roland Emmerich. There's I a too. number of his films I really I'll enjoy. I'll go see everything he makes. So no disrespect. But but yeah, you put this concept of a movie in Christopher Nolan's hands, that could have been something special. Because it was kind of interesting. Uh, you know. Oh, well. Anyway, I mean, I think, look, I I'm I have my opinions on this movie. Rob has his. And, and we're going to hear from Chris and hers in a second. But let's be honest here. There's Everybody one here man is here counts. for one opinion. They're all here to hear what... 
Ray Aura has to say about this. Yeah. Ray, okay. the day came. You got to go see Moonfall. What did you think? First off, shout out to Tyler. I was talking to him outside of the theater. The night before, he actually watched, screened a two-hour and 40-minute cut of this movie and came back and watched the, uh, the two-hour and the ten one. That, yeah. yeah. So to everybody who ended up liking it, no disrespect to anyone who worked on this, no disrespect, but... Moonfall to me was like a spoonful of shit. <laughs> Just a spoonful. Like, okay, like I, I bought into the moonfall thing. Just do the the moon falling. You don't need a story with me. You don't need anything. Just, just make it that the moon happens to go out of orbit, right? Start with that. Don't even give me a reason why. Then for an hour, then for an hour, pure destruction of landmarks we haven't seen done yet. Maybe start with uh, like maybe the thing going out of orbit uh, makes all the slot machines in Vegas all hit jackpot, right? All hit the jackpot. Science! All hit the jackpot. Where's Neil deGrasse? But no one's paying attention because they look outside the window and the stratosphere just falls on Caesar, Caesar's palace. You go back and then there's the sports booking area. You pan into the NASCAR race that's happening. Flies are, uh, cars are flying off the course. Just complete destruction. All of this, right? And then Ray is given like the pitch meeting. And then this all is of like sudden, the pitch meeting. You know, it should just be the main character should have just been the moon. That's it. <laughs> the moon hates us right now. Nothing could stop it. No survivors except the people night, who man. have the doomsday basements. They come crawling out at the end and look and they see the moon just half landed on Earth. And then that's it. Everyone's dead. That's Perfect like movie. that sounds like a, a a Planet of the Apes kind of ending instead of the Statue <laughs> of Liberty. Like that. Can I can I tell you something too? I'm gonna tell you guys something. It's no so melancholia. When Ray's super 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 excited for a movie, he doesn't want to watch a lot of the trailers, right? I think there's a lot of movie fans like that. They're super excited for me, they, they avoid a lot of trailers, yeah. right? So Ray and I are in the car last night, driving out to Burbank to go meet you guys, and Ray's like, oh. Okay, I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch the final trailer. I'll watch the final. So he's in the seat beside me. I can hear him watching the trailer in the phone. It's like, wait, there's aliens in this, and that, we don't need aliens. That broke my heart. <laughs> I said, this shit is not gonna be about the eight. Oh, I just thought it was like you know. Okay, here's a, a thing. We don't need like these na big natural disaster movies every year. The reason why I like them is because one big one comes out every few yeah. years, right? And the reason why I like it that way is because in that time, we could see how much our special effects have advanced. And like, you know, that's what you, that's what I get from it. Like, oh, it's going to look more real now, this and that. But it looked like in some parts that they went back to like the Godzilla miniature building days <laughs> yeah. and would set it on fire. And I was like, this is not what I wanted. You don't even have to win me with the story. Cause like, you know, I go to the mall just to get hot dog on a stick. So, so I love corn dogs. I love corn dogs. I love corn, right? You don't need a, a good story with me when it comes to natural disaster movies. So uh, let's let's get the let's get the special effects down right, okay. you know. And this one didn't do it. This movie would have been a seven out of ten if the special effects were good, but they weren't, and that's what I was there for. Rob, Rob, Rob heard me. John heard me. Oh yeah! Throughout the whole film, I was laughing. 
<laughs> but I was laughing because it was so painful that I couldn't do anything but laugh at everything it showed me. I don't know. I don't want to, you know, rain on anyone's parade. I think you should still go see it and make your own opinion. But for me, it wasn't what I expected. I didn't get... I look for every little thing in a movie to yep. make it good. I couldn't find it. Uh, listen, and we I couldn't find say, it. You, you just raised a good point. Not everybody who came out of that theater last night hated it. No. Like we, I mentioned this in our quick out of theater review. We ran into our, our friend, uh, Chris Gore. You guys might remember from the G4 day. He's been, he's been on my show and stuff like that. He's in my documentary. We ran into Chris and uh, he was like, he grabbed me. He was like, so what did you think? I'm like, oh man, that was terrible. He goes, oh no, I had fun. So like, like Chris had fun with it. I think there were a couple other people. He who was laughing out. with me, but I think he was laughing for the right. <laughs> he was reasons. probably laughing for the right reason. Yeah. So I mean, like, just because I, we didn't like it, but I mean, there were other people who did. So yeah. like, if you're mm -hmm. excited about, it, you may like it. I'm glad Ray brought that up, Chris. You know, uh, you and I didn't get to sit beside uh, Rob and Ray. Chuckle McGee over here. Yeah. So we didn't get to sit beside <laughs> them, which would have been great. We had to sit yeah. a little bit further up, but. You had a chance to see Moonfall. What did you think? I've never seen somebody get up and out of a movie so quickly, John. <laughs> you were just like, all right, we're out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no so time to wait. <laughs> in in our house, right, we, we kind of equate bad movies to Tombstone Pizza. It's still a pizza, <laughs> you know? <laughs> is it the best pizza? No, but you still got to eat pizza. And that's kind of what Moonfall is. But, you know, kind of echoing what you guys have said, it just wasn't weird enough for me. I wanted it to be weirder and wilder if it was going to go that route. I wanted Iron Skies. I wanted Nazis on the moon or something, you know? I wanted really ridiculous asylum films B-roll kind of stuff. Right. And if you are going to go to that scientific route, because we're talking about really cool high-end concepts, too, in this film, and when I say talk about, I mean mention them and then never discuss them in depth. Um, that just irked me so much. Fun fact, I worked at NASA Space Center Houston where Sweet. I got to like teach little kids about physics and stuff and we would do theoretical time travel and all these things and Dyson spheres. And so I got so excited that we would maybe talk about this and then... Yeah. Can we back up for a second? Mm -hmm. Did you just say you worked for NASA? Not NASA, NASA. I worked for like a, basically the theme park equivalent of NASA. Still, every, you, yeah. you worked for NASA. Yeah, that's I, had, I had an actor manager at one point who was like, we never correct Chris Carr. We never correct. <laughs> we let them think you worked in mission control. I'm like, they're going to find out real quick. They're going to be like, this girl didn't work there. But yeah. like, I, I wanted, I, I think you guys are right. It was, it was a tale of two different films. One being just kind of shoehorned in there. I just wanted it to be weirder and wackier and embrace the ridiculousness of this because I love a disaster porn. I think it's so fun. It's, Just well, go for it. Also, you know, it, the, to me, it's everything. T tone is everything. Mm -hmm. And like the day after tomorrow kept a very consistent, very apocalyptic tone where you believe the characters, you like the characters. And what was happening was truly scary. And it was truly like it got under your skin. At least it did for me. I'm like, this is. But then you go to 2012 or Independence Day Resurgence where the tone is completely out. Like we, we, this John Cusack driving a limo through Santa Monica as it's being, you know, the, the, the roads are like rippling around. You can't buy into that. I and did. Independence Day Resurgence. I did. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, I, you know, I like 2012, but by the time you get to Resurgence, the it's so, I just don't, the destruction only works if it, if it has a semblance of reality right, to it. Right, right, right. Because right. then otherwise it's just silly. Yeah, but you watch like when New York is being flooded in Day After Tomorrow, it's terrifying. And in this, and then the wolves too. Exactly. That came out of nowhere. Oh the yeah, wolves, yeah, yeah, the wolves. That was great because I didn't expect that. I thought 
it was just this, they had to worry about that stuff. That was a good part but to me. I'm so glad you guys brought up the kind of B plots too, because I could not give two shits about his son. I did not yeah. care about him at all. Both sons. Oh. Both sons. It's like, oh, why? Why do we care about the moody just, teenager? Just like uh, why? Thanks for getting like. I, I thanks for getting this, me out of prison, Dad. Made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I mentioned this. There was one little thing that I got out of this movie, and you could just get it from the trailer. That one shot of the moon on the horizon behind the mountain. Oh, that, that, that will forever be that, was shot. that, was that will shot. forever be my wallpaper. And I don't even like the that movie. Yeah, but that yeah, shot was what I thought it would be about. Oh, by there's gonna be in there too. We're mentioning Patrick. Um, Halle Berry is 55 years old. That's incredible. There's some illegal experimentation against the laws of nature going on with her because she looks. <laughs> She's stunning. Amazing. Ugh. She looks so good. Anyway, guys, uh, that's our thought on Moonfall. Uh, have you guys? I mean, there were some there were some public early screenings across the country last night. Did you guys have a chance to see it? Or have you been excited for it? If you did, what did you think about it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. Rate the film for us. One to five hot dogs on a stick. And let us know what you thought about this movie. All right, guys. With that down... Let's move on to main topic number four, shall we? Oh. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? Hot dogs on a stick had me crying, Ray. Never change. <laughs> oh. Holden Refond writes in, Good morning, guys. Just watched Peacekeeper episode five, and this show just keeps getting better and better. When I was looking around for some reactions, I saw that Peacemaker has become the number one show in the world, even over Boba Fett. How can Peacemaker have this kind of success when Suicide Squad didn't? Thanks. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Holden. And yeah, I mean, listen, yesterday in many ways was game day because not only were we going to go see Moonfall, I knew I was going to be able to get home, you know, pour myself a drink, get settled in on my sofa, and watch some Peacemaker. Peacemaker continues to triumph. <laughs> Peacemaker continues to be awesome. I loved this episode uh, i'm not going to give like specific plot points away but something that we you know kind of guessed last week that might actually happen this week did happen it was like oh my god they're doing it oh my god they're doing it and it was so good uh economist you are a fucking stud anyway that's out of context you'll have to see what we mean but this the episode was fantastic i absolutely adored it loved everything about it i am so in on the show now the person writing in the message is correct and kind of incorrect in saying that Peacemaker is now the number one show in the world. I, well, no, there's a few caveats to that. But what they are saying is that Peacemaker is the number one streaming in-demand show in the world, even over something like Book of Boba Fett. Now, let's put that a little bit into context here for a second. This comes to us from Screen Rant to write the following. According to Business Insider, Peacemaker is the biggest streaming series in the world as it is 69.5 69, 69.5 times more in demand than the average series. The study was done by Parrot Analytics, which we've been quoting a lot, uh, which measures audience demand by taking the overall popularity of a TV series into account. The series beat out Netflix's The Witcher and Disney Plus's The Book of Boba Fett. And that comes to us from Screen Rant. Look. Regardless of what this study is, and I get the study, I understand what the parameters of it are. It's not that more people watched Peacemaker, because remember, there are far more people on the planet who have Disney Plus than have HBO Max. But I guess it's whatever to scale it is. But overall, they say Paradigm Analytics is saying 
It's Peacemaker's a show. Now, number one, I think that's awesome because Peacemaker is definitely the better show out of the two. Even though, God, I love the last episode of Boba Fett. That was great. If they can if they can finish the last two episodes on the same strength level that they just did this last episode, Book of Boba Fett's going to be just fine. But Peacemaker, surprisingly, has been the one for me has been the highest quality of the thing. And that's weird because watching the previous one, I'm like, this lacks a low budget. And what's that vigilante character? It's going to be the stereotypical loser character that just kind of takes. I did not have a lot of faith in it, even though it's James Gunn. When am I going to learn? This show has been awesome. But you're right. One of the big surprising things about this to me is when you think about it, when you look at how badly Suicide Squad flopped, despite the fact that the movie is awesome with a capital A, that movie's incredible, but it flopped pretty badly. You would not be expected to say, hey, well, so they got a spinoff of it, Peacemaker. How well do you think that's going to do? Even with the show being great, I never would have expected it to be as good. Then I start to see other reports about how well this show is doing. And I don't know what it is. I don't know why Suicide Squad wasn't. The only guess I have, guys, is the fact that I think the people who saw Suicide Squad really enjoyed it. I mean, not, there weren't enough of them. But I think that momentum is carried over. Maybe word of mouth has spread and that this is there. Maybe a lot of WWE fans decided maybe it wasn't they weren't going to get enough John Cena because they looked and they couldn't see him. But maybe they didn't get enough of him in Suicide Squad. But now that it's his own show, maybe they decided to check it out. And the ratings have been growing week after week after week after week. The ratings have been growing. More and more people are jumping on board with this show. Again, another testimony to why the week after week release strategy is far better than the dropping it all at once strategy. But I, I'm, I am surprised. I couldn't be happier, but I'm absolutely surprised. And I love seeing this, especially with how well this show is doing. So let me ask you, Chris. Uh, first of all, what do you think about the episode that we got last night quickly? And then what are your thoughts on this thing that in, in certain parameters are saying this thing is even outdoing a Star Wars character like the Book of Boba Fett. How do you see it? I was just talking about how I wanted something weirder last night, right, from Moonfall. And Peacemaker is delivering on the weird and wacky antics uh, where things are happening where you just go, oh, they did that? Yeah. That's happening? Okay. I love it. And this, oh, this is going to be my Goonies, Rob. I was lukewarm about Suicide Squad. I, I went into it. Lukewarm is okay. That's yeah. not Goonies. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, chat, though, if ever any of you are like, oh, my gosh, Chris, you're so wrong. It's just my <clears> opinion. <throat> I, I had really high hopes for that film and the kind of subverted expectations of the teams. I just went, oh, well, I'm not as into this movie anymore, but I guess I'll watch it through. And there were things that made me happy. I loved Peacemaker, though, in the film. I thought he was just such a piece of trash. And I was so right. intrigued by the idea of like, how do we make a show about this guy? And I loved James Gunn's approach of, I want to take the worst person. I want to take someone <laughs> so irredeemable and make a show about that. Because I loved that just kind of uphill climb that Gunn was setting up for himself. Like, how can I make my job harder? Ah, Peacemaker. And they have just been delivering such a fantastic, fun show. And I do think that's kind of the disconnect with Boba Fett right now, is we keep talking about how this show has been a slow burn for a lot of people, right? And I think people are wanting that bombastic nature from a television show. You know, we want people being sliced and diced sometimes and Peacemaker's delivering all those things. Rob, what about you? Like you're you're seeing these numbers here, right? Like you're talking, like I didn't know if any, I'll be honest with you, despite the fact how much I've been loving Peacemaker, I really didn't have any kind of concept how many people are watching it. Clearly, a lot of people are. Are you surprised by that? And what do you think it is about Peacemaker that seems to be getting more attraction than Suicide Squad? Did? You know what? 
I'm not surprised by this. And to follow up on what Chris was saying, I was talking to a friend of mine this morning on the drive here, actually, who uh, is one of the publishers of Heavy Metal Magazine. And we were talking about how entertainment now, it's become you know really PC and everyone's looking for representation and all this. And we started talking about Peacemaker. And he said, you know, Peacemaker is heavy metal. It's very irreverent. It, the violence, the comedy, the fusion of all these, it, he's like, it's punk rock. And he said, it's a show that's doing representation right, but it's not shoving in your face. You're just having, you have all these different crazy, disparate characters of all different backgrounds and colors, creeds and belief systems, but you're putting it together into this, into this really irreverent mix of superhero action, violent comedy and humor, and yet character pathos in this concoction that is unique and uh, fun and entertaining and most of all, fulfilling. When you get to the end of the episode, you're fulfilled. And and he's like, we don't have much of that. Everything else is sort of skewed one way or another. And he, he equated it to the boys. You know, the boys has that same kind of feel to it. And he says, it feels that most of all, it is what it was designed to be, as opposed to being something else that doesn't quite work. Whereas I think Book of Boba Fett is, is fighting against the fact that it's a Disney Plus show and ultimately family friendly. And maybe that's not quite what we're what we're looking for. And that's why the Book of Boba Fett seems sort of skewed one way or another. Peacemaker is just balls to the wall, guitar shredding, people diving into the off the stage and 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 crowd surfing and screaming in their microphones. I mean, it's like being at a punk rock show, and it's a fun, it's a fun show. Ray, uh, let me ask you. I mean, what is it? I know for you, because I want to ask you this because of the perspective you bring to it, because you are a big Rick Flag fan. You That Woo! was your favorite character. It was. And, and Ray has been, and I think this is a really interesting, <laughs> Ray's kind of been very adverse to the Peacemaker show because yeah. he hates Peacemaker because this character murdered Rick Flag, <laughs> And there's no coming back from that. Joel Kinnaman, come yeah. on. <laughs> well, that's why you watch from the earth to the moon, man. I know, I know. Come on. I know. Oh, um, I, I actually decided right now I might give the second episode a shot today. I just the first one. There's a little cringe and awkwardness to it that I I didn't like that little feeling. I don't know what it was. I did like the good parts that I thought were good. Like the girl was like crazy. But I think I'm going to give it a shot. One more shot. Let's see if. uh. Well, that's stuff. high praise. If Ray's going to give it one more shot. Yeah, because you guys if you guys keep talking about the new episodes. It's going to get like, I'm going to be like, oh, man, I'm missing out. Like, I don't like that feeling either. There's only uh, three episodes left, I think. So I think I'll check just... out uh, episode two today. And then if, I re if I'm if i into it, I'll watch the rest up and, and catch up. Ray, so. was the humor what made you kind of cringe? Or was it the acting? Or what? Um, what's the thing that's setting you off right now? Some of it was just raunchy. Oh, I just okay. thought it was raunchy a little bit. I like the superhero parts. I don't know. Maybe I'm a child while watching it. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, question is for you guys. What do you think about what's going on with Peacekeeper? First of all, did you have a chance to see the new episode? So freaking good. What do you think about these numbers is pulling up? Why is it doing better than Suicide Squad did? Whatever whatever your guys' thoughts on this might be, jump down into the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. With all that down, let's now go over and start taking your live comments and questions that you guys have been sending in, shall we? And we're going to get things started off here with... Uh, where'd it go? We're going to get started with uh, Duba Ajuba, who writes... Oh, and I lost... Where'd they go? There they are. Okay. 
who writes, uh, one of two. Uh, hey, John, as you might know, that Disney Plus's projected content expenditure for 2022 is $40 billion, And I think that uh, that most will in acquiring sports rights overseas. Oh, I didn't know about that. Um, India will be in the forefront as Disney Plus Hotstar. Here is a leading sports service and home for major cricket events whose rights are many bills worth today views. Not quite sure what, what he's saying there, but yes. I read about this today. What, what did you read? The, they're even getting the rights to WWE. Disney is. But Peacock just got them. Have Disney, you heard anything about Disney that, Ray? Plus internationally. Internationally is getting the WWE. Something like that. And yeah, this what they're doing is they're making, obviously cricket is not a big thing in America, although I would watch it because I became, I, I developed a love for cricket in New Zealand. But Disney Plus is is buying these things and I think it's a great move. All right. Wow. I had no idea. But yeah, they're putting a lot of money into this stuff. I 40 billion? I mean, I get a lot of that isn't so much content creation as it is like probably rights acquisitions and deals. You got to do stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. There's I a mean, story on deadline about this. I will have to go and check that out. Thanks for putting that on our radar, man. All right. Next up, Cutter Hale writes. Uh, with both of us in agreement that Jackass 3 is our favorite of the franchise, I was wondering what's your favorite stunt in it? I love the duck hunting. Honestly, it's been too long since I've seen the movie. It's it's just been too long. I I can't. I just remember being so filled with joy and fun. So when they're whenever I'm in the theater now and they're playing the trailer for the new one, it just makes me happy. Sitting next to Ray last night, when that trailer was playing, he was laughing uproariously at everything that occurred. Oh, which one? Jackass. Jackass. Forever. Oh yeah, I. I you know, well, you're not even a jackass guy. It's just I can't. I can't watch the pain anymore. I used to love it. I used to get those underground tapes with them. The so you don't want to watch Francis, you don't want to watch Francis Nagano hitting that guy in the balls. I as could, as you can. You know, eventually they'll <laughs> release that on YouTube, and I can watch that one part. Dude, That's you were laughing. Else. No, you know, I think night. I think all four of us got to go watch opening night of Jackass. Oh, oh yeah, yeah we got, you know what? You know the last one, the sweat thing that they did, where that. A big guy, Preston, I think. Oh, that's sweat. right. I forgot about that. And just, oh, I can't even talk about it. I feel like throwing up right now. Okay, you, well, you can look away at some part. No. There's like the a garbage hard... can right next to oh, We're going to get ready to watch Jackass. Oh. With us. oh, it's going to be so good. Okay, next up, we got Out of Time 1985 rights. What are some of your favorite animated shows that aren't anime? Mine are Gravity Falls, Avatar The Last Airbender, SpongeBob, uh, and Danny Phantom. Well, my all-time favorite animated show now is Arcane. Like, I, I didn't know that I'd ever have an anime show that I liked as much as either the early days Transformers or uh, Space Battleship Yamato or Star Blazers. But Arcane has become my all-time favorite. I really liked Avatar of the Last Airbender. I really liked it. Um, I, I'm not super big on um, any of the others, though. Like, I'm not big on Gravity Falls. I'm not big on SpongeBob. I'm not a SpongeBob guy and stuff like that. But what about uh, you, Chris? What are some of your, like, you're obviously, you work in a lot of these things. Yeah. But what are some of your favorite animated shows? Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, I think, is a beautiful, beautiful show. I'm a big fan of BoJack Horseman, too. I think oh, yeah, a lot wonderful. of people like that. Um, Kipo, that's on Netflix, is great. And a lot of people slept on that one. Um, highly recommend Kipo if you like Avatar The Last Airbender. Rob, do you got a favorite anime show? Star Trek, the animated series from the 70s. Come How do you on feel now. About lower decks. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Look, you know, I, 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 I could go off on that, but I won't. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. All right, let's keep going here. Next up, Sebastian Gonzalez writes 
Uh, Secret Wars fan theory. RSM creates the Beyonder to judge Earth. Beyonder creates Battle World, forcing our heroes and villains, maybe across the multiverse, to fight an epic battle royal ending ending the multiverse. Yeah, I, I, I don't see them going that direction. I don't see them. Rob, what do you think about that? I like the idea of Arshem judging. You don't need the Beyonder. The Beyonder is such a goofy character. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they'll do that. But Arshem's going to come back and judge Earth. And if Arshem's going to judge Earth's heroes because if they were able to defeat Thanos or whatever, that makes I kind of like that idea and Battle World, but I don't think we need the Beyonder. All right, next up, Beast Gaming Rights. James Gunn really knows how to choose the right song for a scene. He really does. The end of Peacekeeper episode four, when House of Pain uh, comes on and you see another side of Peacekeeper, I was like, holy crap. I all week have been humming. I don't know. I've been going like my whole the whole week. I've had that in my head. You're right. It's not just this wacky song collection of the glam metal era and ever it's the right songs at the right time that's been a really key part to a beast gaming that is an excellent observation all right mufasa writes peacemaker is the perfect example of how to do a secret invasion show just saying i yeah with, with the butterflies it's actually it's not a that's i, I never would have made that connection with uh mufasa but that's actually a good connection rafael castillo writes uh passing written and directed by rebecca hall uh bravura Bravura performances by Tessa Thompson, Ruth Nega, gorgeous black and white cinematography, wonderful directing. It's great. And Ruth Nega just got a um, SAG award. I, was, was it not? Did she not She's just nominated. get a SAG? Yeah, she got a nomination for SAG for this. Listen, I'll tell you what. I have been, I first really took notice of Rebecca Hall, and I know she's been around before that. But I first took notice of her in Vicky Cristina Barcelona. It's a Woody Allen film. That stars her, Scarlett Johansson, Javier Bardem, and Penelope Cruz, which, of course, is famous because there's a big threesome scene in it between three of the most attractive people in the world, Javier Bardem, uh, Penelope Cruz, and Scarlett Johansson. Rebecca Hall's not even on the poster. She was great in it. She's the lead name in it. I th believe she's Vicky in Vicky Cristina Barcelona. And it's really the movie is told from her character's perspective. And I remember watching that movie and going, this girl, Rebecca Hall, is awesome. And then she was in uh, Professor Marsden and the Wonder Woman. Yes. Which she was, well, another movie with threesomes, but she was so good in that. And then they even gave her a little role in one of the Iron Man films and whatever. that The, the film was give or take, but... I love her now that she's moving and directing. And I just read an interview with her saying that she actually feels more home directing oh. than anything else and stuff like that. What are you thinking of, of when you think about Rebecca Hall? I love her. I think she's incredible. That Wonder Woman film is so, so good. good. Her, Luke Evans. So good. I love Luke Evans so much. I think that movie's fantastic. If y'all haven't seen it, go get it. Um, but I, I'm so happy she's found a nice home in directing, but it does make me sad of just, but I want you in more stuff because she's so good. She's just really, really relaxed and nuanced. She's one of those actors that doesn't do too much. You know what I mean? She's just always very, very grounded in her performances. All right, next up, we've got uh, Suthius writes, I still can't tell if the butterflies are benevolent or just want to exist or if they're bad and if Myrn is good or bad rogue butterfly. Okay, my theory right now is and I'm I'm probably per totally wrong. My theory right now is that the butterflies are bad 
and Mern is like there was a there was a scene with Mern earlier in the show where he's talking to economists where he says, I'm trying to make up for a lot of the things that I've done. And I think that's the butterfly talk. So I mean, or it could be completely reversed. The butterflies may be the good guys, and Mern is like the evil one out to get. I mean, I don't know, but I am dying to find out. Al Renshaw writes, How excited is Ray for the Halo trailer this Sunday? Ray! Gonna watch them bangles and watch some Halo trailer. Oh yeah. Another thing that made me sad about last night is now the Bengals will lose because of Moonfall. <laughs> Everything's just gonna go fall. wrong. This is gonna be my worst year ever. <laughs> Dude, Dude it's the January. Bengals won two playoff games. I know, I know, I'm just kidding. It's already good. No, year no, Halo, you. I'm I'm super excited. If it's a full trailer, let's do it. I it don't better care. be. I think it is. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a full trailer. All right. Next up. Uh John Redcorn writes. Now that you have seen Moonfall, how badly do you think it'll bomb next week? LOL, I think 10 million. It's going to be right around there. The, the estimates I saw were 8 to 12. For a $140 million movie? How much did they spend on this again? Oh, I mean, they're going to take a bath. They're going to take an absolute bath on this movie. You know what the funny thing is? After we did our um, out-of-the-theater reaction video, I counted like 20 or 30 comments on that video of, I never even heard of this movie. And it just tells you what kind of a job they're doing marketing it. I think this movie is going to do very well in China. It was financed by Chinese money. Yeah, yeah the know, brothers. Yeah, and I think that, I think this film, the wandering earth crowd will, will I think, eat this movie up. <laughs> Could be. All right. Next up, we've got uh, Christopher Brickner who writes, one of two. In January, Paramount got the rights to Children of Blood and Bone after Lucasfilm made no, made no progress in the in the announce since they announced. Uh, that is how that is now three projects. Um, and there's no other thing. Okay, that is now three projects. Something. Uh, yeah. So that I remember when they brought that up with that Lucasfilm had got uh, Children of Blood and Bone, and there was like, oh, this is kind of a different direction for Lucasfilm. Blah blah. blah clearly probably something that just didn't fit their their mandate it, it probably just wasn't something there and they probably just let it go at that point i think they're concentrating on their own ips that they already owned as yeah. opposed yeah. to developing something new and they got to get their house in order like because look lucasfilm has done a lot of stuff that i love in the last recent years and some stuff that i have not what is clear though is that the house of lucasfilm is not in order right now and they need to get i think this is the right move they got to get their house in order then start expanding out. Let's see if this Indiana Jones film's any good. Yeah, I was going to say, is that, what is that, 2023? Or 2024 at are this they, point. I can't are remember. Are they shooting it? Like, so I don't it? even know what's going on with that movie anymore. <laughs> it's so I've weird. said for a long time, I doubt it's even going to happen. All right, next up, Sam Ash writes, who's your favorite Aunt May? For me, it's Marissa Tomei. She was involved in, in Tom Spidey's journey and actually treated Peter like her son. Plus, her responsibility speech was literally from the comics. I'm going to say the unpopular thing. My favorite uh, Aunt May is uh, Burt Reynolds' ex. Sally Field. Uh, Sally Field. You like me. You really like me. I, I, I know like, a lot of people fondly remember the older Aunt May from the Toby movies. Obviously, Marissa Tomei is awesome. But actually, Sally Fields was my... that. They got her more connected with the family drama of the background of Peter in that. So that's mine. Chris, do you have a favorite Aunt May? I love Sally Field. I'm totally with you on that. Marissa Tomei is amazing. And 
honestly one of my favorite human beings in the world. I think she's just wonderful and gorgeous. But I think you're right. Sally Field was just wonderful and nurturing and just really settled into that role nicely. Rob, you got a favorite? I think Toby's looked the part, but I agree with both of you. Sally Field was more... I believed her more, whereas Marissa Tomei is great, but she wasn't the nurturing. She was more like mom as opposed yeah. to Aunt May. Because aunts, your aunt your aunt has more wisdom than your mom does. <laughs> At least from, from your perspective. Right. Absolutely from my perspective. All right. Uh, by the way, Sam Ash uh, had sent in a $20 super chat to send that in. Thank you, Sam, for supporting our channel. That love them. I really appreciate that. All right. Uh, Jonathan J. Wolfie writes, uh, watching all the best picture Oscar films with wings, all quiet on the Western front and grand hotel. What are your thoughts on these classic films? Rob, you got a favorite one with these? Wow, that, well, wings, of course, if you've ever seen the uh, movie, the aviator uh, that Martin Scorsese did about, um, well, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, it, it, I love wings. <laughs> I mean, wings is an amazing uh, Howard Hughes, that was his, I don't know, his folly, whatever. But All Quiet in the Western Front, these are all, all three of these movies are, are great. I'd be curious to see what people think. Like, go back and watch a movie like Wings today because they have real planes. I mean, some of theirs, there's miniature work too. But go watch that movie and think, wow, they made this during the silent era. I mean, they added then sound to it because of how Hollywood changed, but it's an amazing piece of work. Now, we talked a while ago about All Quiet on the Western Front. We talked a little bit in depth about that. I can't remember which one Grand Hotel is, though, off the top of my head, which I I, I can't remember that one. But uh, anyway, the good list to bring up, Jonathan. All right, next up. Uh, Jasmine Smith writes, I'm sorry, guys, but you had to have known that movie was going to disappoint. It looks so bad. Just my opinion, of course. I mean, sure, absolutely. But how many times have I walked into movies that I thought looked like it was going to be a mess? And walked out really happy. I mean, it happens. And so, yes, did I think, did I really think Moonfall was going to be any good? No, I didn't. I mean, Ray did. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but I still go in with anticipation because I've seen a lot of movies in my life where I thought the trailers didn't look any good. And I walked out going, wow, that was way better than I thought. You know what? I said something to these guys, all these guys when we came out of theater. And I had so much fun last night, even though Moonfall was so bad. <clears throat> I said... You know, even when I don't like the movie, I love going to the movies. Yeah. yeah. I love going to the movies, especially when you go with a group of friends and stuff like that and you get to hang out and talk. I mean, it, it's just such a great communal experience. And I just had a lot of fun last night. You know, I have to say to speaking to that, John, I did have fun while I was watching this movie. Yeah, I love because yeah. I just I kept going. Where is this movie going to go? Yeah. Like, like I I had no idea where it was going to go, and it went interesting places. I just didn't think it went very. It didn't go well to those interesting <laughs> places, but it was fun to watch. I, I I if I if someone asked me what was the experience, I would say, like you just said, I had a good time. Yep. All right. Next up, we've got Andy, uh, and Andy writes. Uh, is there an assassin spy who was very similar to Jason Bourne, but not exactly like him? Then that would make him uh, adjacent Bourne. No, nobody. Yeah, I, got it. <laughs> I finally got it. Yeah, you know, that one's pretty good to me. Andy, right. are you a dad? Because I need to know if that's a dad joke or a faux pas. All it yeah, takes I is don't. one out of the four. No. And Ray gave you the thumbs up, so I will give you... The John Campia drum shot. Oh, there oh, you go. I was only oh, happy because I 
understood it when I realized <laughs> yeah, I got it. I'm not. That I'm wasn't on the humor level, it. but it was just me. All right. Next up, uh, Josh uh, Molinari writes, "Hey, John, thoughts on this year's halftime show? Am I am? I haven't been as excited for halftime show since you two did the halftime show. Um, thoughts on this year's halftime show? Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, and Mary J. Blige. Great lineup, in my opinion. Ozark season four is great so far. Yeah, I." I mean, I always look forward to the halftime shows. I do. I even, I, I even really like the Katy Perry halftime show. I mean, I get a. I think they've done a really good job with them. But Prince, this dude. one, I'm all about Prince. Prince was great. Tom Petty was great. Hell, even the the NSYNC Britney Spears halftime show was I thought was great. Uh, Beyonce, Justin was great. Timberlake, and Janet Jackson. I mean, yes, with the with the infamous watermelon function. Listen, all you got to say is Snoop Dogg and Drake are doing the halftime show. I was like, yep. And it's in L.A. And music-wise, Kendrick Lamar. Oh, yeah. Yes. Kendrick Lamar, of course, But it'll be great it. to see Drake, Drake, uh, Dr. Drake because he had that one. He was hospitalized for a little bit. So it's good to see he's recovered from that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, God bless him. He oh, was a part of my youth. So, By know. the way, Ozark season four. Really good so yep. far. All right. Next up. Uh, let's see. Al Renshaw writes. Uh, does Chris know about all the shenanigans, Cock Max, uh, Too Many Hoes out there segment? We haven't caught her up exactly. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely know there are too many hoes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I must ask you, where is this map that you guys are hiding from me? Oh, yes. Where is this? Where is where are all these hoes? This is a pretend slate, right? Cat, Ray, you can find him. All right. Next up, uh, Colin McGoldrick. <laughs> Uh, just sends in a, a super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Colin. Appreciate that, man, very much, dude. Uh, Tina Hesse also sends in a super chat badge to be supportive. Thank you, Tina. Matt writes, hey, John, what are some of the movies that changed your life and gave you motivation and insight? Well, listen, they're, look, they're, they're very, very few and far between. Obviously, the one I'm going to say is Star Wars. Star Wars is my earliest childhood memory uh, of my mom showing me Star Wars when I was like four. Um, and, and it's always stuck with me four and five it's just always been there and stuck with me and it kind of laid out the path it made me fall in love with movies and storytelling and fantasy and all that kind of stuff and it kind of paved the way for my life and then every once in a while a movie comes out that i'll tell you what this is the verbiage i use for this there are movies that make you want to change the world and there are movies that make you want to change you i have never seen a movie that did that more to me than Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the Mr. Rogers documentary that came out about three years ago. That is a movie when you watch it, you come out and you look in the mirror and you don't say, you know, you're a bag of crap, but you're like, you can be better. And I don't know how anybody doesn't look at the life of Mr. Rogers and look at themselves in the mirror afterwards and say, I, I need to aspire to more. I need to aspire to be better. Like he was just the man. And I remember after that movie came out, somebody put this meme together, this cartoon together. And it's like Thor sitting around and Mr. Rogers come up. Excuse me, son, have you misplaced this? And he's holding me on here because clearly only Mr. Rogers can hold me on here. <laughs> I mean, it's just that that was a movie that shook me. It shook me and it made me want to examine my own. And when art can do that to you, 
that's something special. Do you do you got a particular seminal movie for you, Rob? That oh. it's kind of like helps <laughs> navigate the course of your life. Well, if you put it that way, I have to say that Bob Fosse's nineteen seventy nine movie, All That Jazz, uh, really yeah, blew yeah. me away because it was. It's a movie about the creative process, but it's also a movie about what does it mean to be an artist and what does it mean to navigate the world. And uh, first of all, it also made me aware of the the art of editing. And it's just it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I heard it's one of David Fincher's as well, so Aww. I guess I'm in good company. Chris, you got a favorite one that or one that not necessarily favorite, but one that was like really influential Honest- on you. Honestly, I have a Mr. Rogers moment that really stands out to me. Really? Um, Is he did this wonderful, wonderful um, speech where he talked about how work in the entertainment industry, specifically in television, is work in servitude and how you are of service to people when you work Mm. in television. And it's for the betterment and education of others. And when I heard that, it was, oh, God, that's what I want to do because I wanted to be funny my whole life. I wanted to do stuff like Clue or The Muppets. Those were things like NSNL that really, really motivated me, right? And then I heard this person say but that can transcend and that can really impact people in such a beautiful helpful way be one of the helpers right and that just kind of changed my whole path in my life um i we've already spent too much time on this but i gotta share this one and i know i shared before but this is a moment that was shared in that mr rogers movie this is the kind of mr rogers was an ordained minister Right, and he really saw this as his ministry, his his, his wanting to serve people and mm-hmm. to help children, tell children that they are valuable and they are worth love and all that kind of stuff. But he was beyond that because at that time there was there's this great scene in the movie where, as his show was being made, there was a big controversy going on in the country because there was this thing where in hotels, these white owned hotels where they would not let black people swim in the pools. And there's this thing going on where it made national news where uh, a, a, a black family, or whatever, got into the pool at the hotel and like the pool owner couldn't get them to get out. The hotel guy couldn't get. Them, so he started pouring bleach in the pool to get people getting became this big national debate. Right. And uh, Mr. Rogers is like, oh, yeah, fuck you. And Mr. Rogers gets on his next show. And he has his, the guy who played the the postman, I think, or, or the police officer, the guy who played the police officer, he was an African-American actor. And his next episode, he said, you know, come on in my backyard. It's a hot day today. And you just had this little kiddie pool. And just together, they sat, took their shoes off and put their feet in the pool together. That was Mr. Rogers going, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like yeah. he's, I'm fucking Mr. Rogers. All right. And this is how we are going to conduct ourselves. And I just remember what I almost broke down in tears. And then that actor who was on Mr. Rogers for so long, it, you know, he revealed he came out later to Mr. Rogers that he was actually gay. And he was always afraid of what because Mr. Rogers background. We think of him and Mr. Rogers I gave him a big hug, said, I've always known. And I love you the way you are. And like I'm sitting in this theater like, <laughs> like I'm like weeping in this theater. It's like Mr. Rogers Look, I don't care who you are. Mr. Rogers' balls were bigger than yours. And I don't care who you are. He's the man. (laughs) He understood the assignment. Yes, he did. He understood the assignment. And that's what I said. But what I mean by when I watch a movie like that and I want to go look in the mirror and say, we can be better. You know, I uh, sorry. Sorry. I went off on that far too long. Let's keep moving on. Um, Andy uh, writes. Uh, saw the Winchester's film, the Winchester film starring Jason Clark that was released four years ago. I gave it a zero to 10. There was no Sam and Dean that, that also had, uh, 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 the, the queen, um, uh, Olivia Coleman. 
No, she's in um, and she's in Fast. She's in Fast. Helen Mirren. Helen yeah. Mirren. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that was the one also with Helen Mirren. Yeah, I think so. The Winchester Mystery House. Yes. The woman who created. Yeah, yeah. Not so good. Yeah, I know. Not so good at all, Andy. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, Hugo Alfonso, and also yes, where were Sam and Dean? All right, Hugo Alonso writes. Um, hey crew, thanks for bringing us this show almost every day. Thank you so much, Hugo, for being here and being a part of it. My question is, has there been any development on the Attack on Titan movie from Warner Brothers? I have heard none. I've heard none. Have any of you guys heard any development? Because I remember some news came about that, but really I haven't heard anything since. Anybody? No. Nothing? All right. We will keep our eyes on that. All right. Next up. Uh, Tim Platt writes, still morbidly curious about Moonfall. I just need to know one thing. Is it better or worse than Independence Day Resurgence? Ooh. Wow. Oh. I would say it's better. I'll it's say better. it's better. Yeah, because Independence Day Resurgence was a real disappointment. Man. Although the first half an hour of Independence Day Resurgence is pretty cool. That was fun. As they were setting it, was, it up. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. And then it just is like, wait, what? Yeah, but I'll say Moonfall was better. Yeah. Uh, that's all subjective, but I mean, I think that one was better. All right. John Redcorn writes, uh, over under 20% Condor Man appears in Doctor Strange 2. Everybody always wants to know about Condor Man. I, but I, in all seriousness, it, while we are in an era where anything can happen, I will safely take under 20%. Dude, if they bring the, they should bring Condor Man into the MCU. It's Disney. Why not? It's time. It's time. Condor <laughs> Man deserves his due. But is he going to over under 20%? Oh, under. Oh, yeah. Under. Anybody want to no take the over on that? that? Nope. No one's taking the Unless over on that? Unless he's in the background in some flying That's scene. That's true. I mean, we had Howard the Duck. Yeah. I see. So Actually, there's a movie. Condor Man teams up with Howard the Duck, Boom. and they hit the road along with the Grandmaster and the Collector. Hey, Give listen, for money, all we Disney. know, maybe one of those silhouettes in the sky as the reality was Ooh. ripping open in Spider-Man, maybe one of those was a Condor Man yeah, silhouette. Yeah, why not? Ooh. Who knows? All right, next up. Uh, Matt writes, also, I just rewatched this movie called Lawless. Oh, I love Lawless. I haven't seen it in years. So amazing. Tom Hardy, Shia LaBeouf, um, uh, the 355 girl. Um, Jessica. Jessica Chastain, thank you. Uh, Jessica Chastain. Um, I think, um, um, speaking of Spider-Man, uh, he was in Chronicle. Uh, Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan, yeah. thank you. Dane DeHaan, I believe, was in that as well. I, and I think... Um, why am I freezing? He was the greatest actor in the world without an Oscar. Then he won it. Then he finally won one. Uh, why am I freezing on everybody's names today? He was. Because you're old. He was in Harry Potter. He was Sirius Black in Harry Potter. Oh, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Thank you. Gary Oldman was in that. I really like Lawless. I thought Lawless was really, really good. So that's a good one to bring up, man. All right. Next up. Uh, Brandon Blake writes, what an amazing surprise this BDH direct magic goodness was. Uh, they clearly planned this to be the pivotal point in the show, and it worked for me. No idea what BDH is, man. Sorry about that. Uh, Wet Wookie writes, uh, PM is a big W for, our, okay, Peacemaker's a big win for HBO. I hope we get uh, more like this. I mean, look, what I don't want HBO to do is try to, how can we copy Peacemaker? That that's not the key. Like, but just give us shows G-rated to R-rated. I don't care. Just give us compelling characters that we like. Give us a show that's fun. Build in real emotional stuff that we can get attached to. Peacemaker's checking all those boxes. You don't have to replicate Peacemaker though. Andy writes, uh, "Have you heard about a new show, Justice U, with John Diggle leading five metahumans at a university? Sounds like a worse version of the Boy spinoff. Is that a real thing? It is. Deadline posted about it a couple weeks ago." 
Oh, that sounds uh, awful. Right? Just give me the, his, they set up this Green Lantern thing with him. Can I just get that if I'm going to have John Diggle stories continue? By the way, I, I very much like the John Diggle character. I love this character. I, I Ever since he popped up in, in Arrow season one, I mm-hmm. really like, like to me, Arrow was best when it was just the Trinity, when it was just uh, Dig, uh, Oliver, and Felicity. It, no, what was her name? Felicity Smoke. It was Felicity. Yeah. When it was just the three of them before they started bringing in fit anybody else who's wears a hockey mask or carries a gun. Yeah. Okay, cool. You're superheroes now. When it was just the three of them, that's to me when that show sang. Absolutely. And he was one of the reasons for that. I He's he great. And he that. does excellent directing work on the CW too. The BDH is Bryce da- Dallas Howard. Oh, okay. Guys, please. Yeah, yeah. Try to. I mean, every once in a while we'll pull out the abbreviations. Try not to use abbreviations if you can. Okay. Next up. Thanks for that, Ray. Uh, we have uh, Nobi Montez writes, Peacemaker, not a spoiler, I literally had to pause since I was laughing so hard uh, at her partner's reaction to the judge's <laughs> name. <laughs> I, I, again, won't give anything away, but that was great. By the way, I'm really liking that, that uh, the, the Asian detective girl. I'm really like, and she has a, an exchange, a verbal exchange with White Dragon, with Peacemaker's dad in this episode. That was so, great. so funny. Um, okay, anyway, uh, next up, Christopher Brickner writes, oh, there's his two of two. I had no idea. Oh. Hey, guys, listen, seriously, if you have a longer message that you need to send in, breaking up into parts, write it out first in notepad or something, and then fire them both in quickly so we don't have to go searching for it. Anyway, announced at Lucasfilm, I think we're talking about Blood and Bones still, Announced at Lucasfilm at Disney Investors Day that they've been canceled, had pr- production problems in 13 months. Why does Lucasfilm keep doing this? Well, it's nowhere near as bad as Warner Brothers was. <laughs> but see, that's the problem about announcing things so far in advance. Because, look, I know a lot of people have never worked in the production world and stuff like that. There are a lot of things that can go wrong. There are a lot of things that can go wrong and often do with productions. The thing that got Warner Brothers wasn't that their house was in a complete mess, although there was a little bit of that. It's that they started announcing all these projects that were so many years down the line that it's like the Oregon Trail. You start out with 100 European refugees, you're going to get there with 10. I mean, only so many. <laughs> Y'all are going to get dysentery. And yes, whatever it is, you're, you're going to lose a lot along the way. There's an attrition rate. And that happens, and I think that's why not. But then we fans, we want them to announce thing, announce things eight years in advance. Why haven't they announced this? Why haven't they announced this? Well, you know, there's probably a lot in advance that they haven't announced yet because this is what happens. Rob, you think? Of, what do you think about that? No, I think you're absolutely right. It's it's like, um, you know, we will get no wine before it's time, as that right? or or some well, just say. I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of development that goes into shows and 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 movies, and and they. It's hard to get it right. And when you when you announce these things, like when you acquire the rights to something, so-and-so acquired the rights to this, and then five years later, 10 years later, it still hasn't gotten made. Because all they did was get the rights. Then they have to go actually make it. They got to they gotta write it. They have to cast it. They, it's hard. And then the, there's the one biggest point where the biggest point we don't talk a lot about, though, where most projects fall off the rails. Acquired the rights, got a director attached, got a certain star attached, got to write. That's all great. You want to know where 90% of films to then fall apart? Got to secure financing. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've had a million ideas for movie, Rob. 
I can't find somebody to give me eighty five million dollars to make it. Me too. Me too. I you mean, know, and that's hard. the thing. You 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 can put all that together. They're developing. But you got to get somebody who's willing to say, "I'm willing to write a check. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to write a check right now." Actually, I'm I'm not going to say much, but I'm involved with a with a with a budding project right now that Rob is involved with as well. And we're kind of at a state. I just had a phone call last night. We're working on that stage of getting somebody to write a check because all that stuff is great, but you got to have somebody who's willing to put up a lot of money. And and here's the key thing too. Not that I'm trying to scare away any investors, but you got to find somebody who's not just willing to write a check, but you got to find somebody who's dumb enough to think I might make some money on this because very well, few of them do. <laughs> yeah, nowadays it's not even about financing; it's about how are you going to distribute what what it is you've made. Yeah, that becomes and, a big thing now and, too. Yeah, and you know you can't. Hollywood is the one place that has no. If you have a million dollars to invest, investing in real estate is great because you know what the square footage is with this building on this corner, so you can see what your return is going to be. With but with movies. Mm-hmm. Everyone's a crook. Yeah. How are we going to get our money back? It's a lot of channeling your inner Mona Lisa Saperstein. Just running around going, money, please. Money. Right. <laughs> That's a deep cut. That was a great <laughs> voice, too. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving on here. Um, Jackmaster Nord writes, without going into details, I enjoyed Moonfall. You're not alone, man. I, I know several people liked it. And so did the rest of the audience I saw it with. You have to suspend disbelief, but that's sci-fi. Okay, let me just say this. I am a little tired. This is not this is not knocking on you, Jackmaster. This is not knocking on you. But I am so fatigued of when a bad movie comes out, or at least one that I considered bad. And the excuse made for it by people, it's always the same thing. You gotta just turn off your brain and enjoy it. To which I now say, now I don't just take that, now I fire back. It's like, okay, I can say the same thing to you about any movie you didn't like. You just gotta suspend disbelief. No, I can say that to you about any movie you didn't like. There, there, of course, is in some movies, there are some movies you're going to where we understand as an audience, there's going to be a certain level of suspension of disbelief. A Norse god who flies with a magic hammer. Obviously, there is a certain degree of disbelief we are going to have to be willing to suspend. We understand that. You know, a guy, a, a teenager gets bit by a spider and suddenly has the power of the gods. All right, there's a part of that where we just got to turn off a part of our brain and enjoy. We get that. But you, we as film fans can't just throw this out as a blanket statement for any piece of trash that comes out. I, you know? I, I did try to. I mean, I don't drink a lot, but I ordered a special margarita. Yeah, Ray night. going in, he's like, I got, because, I've never seen you drink. And I said, yeah, I got to take a, a couple of drinks. I'm, I'm, I'm done. So I was already going into Moonfall like, you're already, you're already a high, highly rated movie already. You know, before the movie even started, you can only go down from here. And it just kept plummeting a little, little by little. Yeah. So I don't know. But again, th- th- that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. I mean, and and listen, for you, man, that's this is why we say all films subjective, man. We You saw the same movie as us, and you had a different experience than we did. And that's awesome. And I'm glad. I hope you liked it enough for all of us. Because <laughs> I wish. I'm actually jealous. Yeah. Because I want to love every movie I go see. So the fact that you did have that experience, Jackmaster, I'm jealous that you had that. So that's awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed it, dude. All right. Lucky BX writes, I would love to see a CGI Lou Ferrigno Hulk in the Multiverse of Madness. I would lose my shit if I hear the transformation music from the 1970s series. Dude, listen, <laughs> I'm not saying as much in the 70s. 
Have you seen Lou lately? He hasn't lost much of his mass. No. no. I don't even know that you have to CGI Lou at I this point. I was going to say, give me a practical effect for Igno. Give him to me, you coward. Just, did you see the Incredible Hulk TV movie with Thor? <laughs> yes. That is one of the dumbest but yeah. most wonderful things I had ever seen. Well, you know, it's, those TV movies where you saw early versions of Daredevil and Thor and all that shows the difference. It's all about tone. You just talked about, well, a, a, a god with a magic hammer. Yeah. You can make somebody believe almost anything. You just have to approach it with the proper tone and execution. And that's, I think, what we're looking for. Like, look, the Fast and the Furious series to me is one of the great litmus tests of that because you get to Fast Five, which I think is the genius of, of the, the best movie of the series. The Citizen Kane of the Fast and the Furious. The Citizen Kane of the Fast and Furious <laughs> movies. But you get to Fast Nine and everything I loved about the series that I was willing to suspend my disbelief was completely, and it's ser it's silly to say this, Fast Nine shatters all of that. And I can no longer enjoy, well, Hobbs and Shaw did a little bit of it. I can't enjoy that series anymore because it, it's gone beyond what they uh, put in my mind as being the reality of that of that franchise. And I think that there's a lesson to be learned there. All right. Next up, we move on to John McKinney, who writes one of three. I think making straw man arguments on why someone disagrees with you on a movie are worse uh, than outright shaming. When someone says um, says my opinion is invalid or my opinion sucks, I just block, i.e. Uh, straw, ma straw man arguments and I'm not going to go hunting for the next one. Um, so listen, one of the things that I think is one of the biggest problems with film fandom today, and it's actually at the root of a lot of toxicity in film fandom, is making excuses for why other people don't have the same opinion for, as you. What I mean by that is this. Uh, you liked a movie I don't like. Well, you're just biased because you, you're... Huh? You didn't like a movie I liked? Well, you just didn't get it. Like anything, anything other than, oh, you just didn't like it. You didn't have the same experience as me. Because inside a lot of people is this inherent mental weakness that people wrap up their own identity in their opinion on things. And if you don't share the same opinion people interpret that as you attacking their identity. I am a big Harry Potter fan. You don't like Harry Potter? Well, you're not just saying that you had a different experience with the movie for me than me. It just didn't work for you. That's cool. No, no, no. You're attacking a part of who and what I am. And therefore, I must discredit you. Because if I don't discredit you for not liking the same thing I like, then my sense of self can't handle it. And that's, and that, at the, and listen, no finger pointing here because we've all done it. This is, a, this is something we all have to catch ourselves doing because we've all done this. This isn't this group does it or that group does it. We all do it. And it's something we have to catch ourselves with. Like sometimes, that's why I want to say like, I mean, a lot of people didn't like Man of Steel just because it wasn't the... You know, gosh, ma'am, I'll get that kitten out of the tree for you. But I only say that because I've actually had people tell me that. Like I've had people tell me they want their apple pie, you know, 1960s, 1970s version. And people have literally told me that, and I'll repeat that. 
But then again, a lot of people just didn't like Man of Steel because they saw the movie and it didn't work for them. But at the heart of most of the toxicity, you like that movie? Well, then you're just a this, this, or this. You didn't like that? Well, you only didn't like it because this, this, and this. No, they didn't like it because they watched the same movie that you did and they did, did or did not like it. And that is not them attacking your person. Just means they had a different opinion of something. But it, I think it's at the heart. It's the root of most of the toxicity in a lot of film fandom is when we build tribes. And, and, and nothing illustrated that more than in the DC zombie slave fanboys versus Marvel zombie slave fanboys. Huh. It's like you plant your flag. It's like, now everything I'm about is this and everything I do. Hell, there's even a lot of YouTube channels now where all you look at is completely about their identity. I am this tribe. And every video I make, every podcast I do, every blog article I do is about my identity as being a part of this tribe. You know, and it's it's unfortunate. Well, you brought up the, the Zach Zach Snyder's Justice League was a good example. Like you and I would get criti- criticized because we said, "Well, this would never happen," but we were trying to bring business acumen onto that opinion. We weren't just saying, well, it's never going to happen. We're like, at this point in time, and then I was always saying, hey, if someone could pay for Zack Snyder's Justice League, and when HBO Max was created, you and I had a conversation where we were actually saying, now there's some financial entity that has an interest in perhaps making it. Well, that's different new information, and yet people still, after it came out, and I had said, no, I've been a fan of this, like, but you said at one point you hated it. Well, no, and no, I never you, well, said you and that. Always, well, you and I were always right. We always said the Zack Snyder cut did not exist. Well, that's, yeah. And, and it didn't. The the CEO of Warner Media said, oh, yeah, this movie doesn't exist. We now got to pay $70 million to right. make it exist. And the thing is, people still to this day, there was always a cut. Well, there's a kind of every movie that gets made, there's a cut after day two of production because they're working on it. Yeah. But, but here's the thing, too. It's like when, pe- when people get confused when they hear that, you know, how much I am thankful for Zack Snyder and because he gave us Man of Steel. Right. right. We've, and we've all I, you and I are, are big Man of Steel. Huge, we love well, I mean, let me obviously Man of Steel. But I mean, but I am not a tribe that just because I love Man of Steel doesn't mean I therefore must think every single thing that Zack Snyder does is excellent. I don't like. What's a, I don't like the terminal, but I don't become a tribe about now. Everything I'm about is disliking anything Steven Spielberg does. No, I, I mean, I'm a massive don't fan of dare books, mention the terminal. I know. I know. I, I'm in trouble. That is a sacred down. movie. Tom Hanks, man. In this Tom house, Hanks. you can't besmirch. So For him to say he doesn't like the terminal in this house. It's, it's dangerous. Know. Man dangerous. loves the terminal. That's on well, dangerous all I'm saying ground. Is, is that like. It, that that becomes one of the hard things about any and all toxicity across film fandom is when we tribe up. And I am pro this. And if anybody is against anything about that, you're the enemy. And we can't just agree to disagree. We got to try to discredit you. Well, that's happened across the entire spectrum of our culture. Well, you know, it's true, but it's very prevalent in in movie fandom. And I think we're all we've all done it. Absolutely. This, there's no one guilty party. We've all done it. I, I just think we as film fans got to work to identify Rob of not it. having any joy today. Yeah, it's that's right. Like, Rob just yeah. has no you yeah. didn't like the Goonies. It, you have no joy. Ribbing. It's not like I'm going to be like bangarang Rufio. I'm never having a beer oh, with you what, again. What are you going to say to your husband? You get home that Burnett. That Robert Burnett. That Goonies oh. opinion of his. Is a rare. I swear to God. Yeah, no. I'm you. Anyway, uh, sorry, we gotta keep going here. Uh, next up, uh, Josie reviews writes: Moonfall or Shitstorm, Geostorm. I'll. 
tough. Wow, Geostorm was real bad. And Geostorm was made by Dean Devlin. It had, and it had uh, Gerard Butler in it. Um, you know... I might take Geostorm I, just because I had a little more fun. I'm leaning towards... And we were super bad. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm leaning toward Geostorm on that one, too. It just had a little bit more fun to it. Than, I'll tell you one thing. It's that? a great Geostorm, double feature. Sorry. I versus just, Moonfall. Oh, Geostorm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Geostorm. Yeah. The effects on there were so much better. Do you got a vote on this one? I haven't seen Geostorm. Oh, you're not, you're not missing out. But you know what's better than both of them that recently came out? Greenland. I Greenland, Greenland, no, no, Greenland is a legit good motion picture. Yeah. I mean, that's just. I thought that was a great. That's that's a natural design. That was way better than it had any business being yeah, yeah. when you look at the trailer. I love And they're making a sequel. Yep. All right. Next up, Al Rancho writes Moonfall opening weekend in ABC Dolby. So stoked. I hope you have a good time, man. We saw it in ABC. By the way, Prime Dolby. Yeah. I will say this the, the projection, the sound, and the experience. Great. Oh, yeah. Great. That's it's Dolby, an AMC Prime Theater, man. It's yeah, And that was. Thank you, AMC, for spending that money. It was really good. Anthony Palomero writes. I'm going to skip Moonfall because I don't like how the main actor looks. By the way, is Moonfall a sequel to Moonlight or Skyfall? Both. It's a multiverse. It's like it's kind of like the three Spider-Man. Well, yeah, together. because the 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 universe that Moonlight takes place in and the the universe of Skyfall would both be destroyed if the moon fell on them. The, yes. the IMDb so. page for Moonfall is actually anyone can edit it right now. So and put up their own interpretations. <laughs> Just go in there and put that all in there. Just put right. whatever you want. <laughs> Next up, uh, Thunder Knight writes. Uh, which is worse, Moonfall or Independence Day Resurgence? We had that one. I, I think Independence Day Resurgence was worse. Yeah. Um, uh, and Reed 2009 sends in like a $20 super chat. Thank you, man, for supporting our channel on that level. He writes, hey, John, Ray, Rob, and Chris, I saw Moonfall 2022 last night uh, from a Regal Unlimited screening, which is a bombastic sci-fi fantasy movie. I loved it, except oh, for good. Ray and uh, Robert Meyer Burnett's, or excited for Ray and Robert Meyer Burnett's non-spoiler reaction. Well... Our right out of the theater reaction is up on our channel. You can go see what we thought of it when we walked right out of it. Um, and obviously you heard us talking about it today. We did not have the same experience you did, but I'm so glad you had the experience mm -hmm. you had, man. I'm glad you had I'm fun. Jealous. Yeah. I'm actually really jealous. I hope I know that's what you wanted. You wanted I to hope feel that. everyone loves it, to be honest. Like I, it's just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And I just got to be honest I want people to love every movie. Yeah. Yeah. I want I want to love everything we all go and see. And listen, man, so that is awesome that you had a good time and you enjoyed it. I, I hope you, I hope our, you know, sharing our experience with it doesn't dampen your experience that you had with it. Your experience is yours. And if it was that great, then that's awesome. All right. Next up. Uh, Purple Haze 4564 writes, uh, John, go with me here. So Fisk gets pulled over by a cop, right? And let me try this again. So Fisk gets pulled over by a cop, right? And the cop asks Fisk, sir, do you know why I pulled you over? Fisk says, you know, when I was a boy, he always starts a sentence with that. You know, the, the, you're right. <laughs> with Winston Fisk, particularly in, um, in Daredevil, he's kind of like Columbo. My dad used to watch Columbo all the time, where every question or everything, he always start with a story. You know who else does that? Um, uh, Raymond Reddington in Blacklist. <laughs> everything starts with a story. I was once in Bolivia at a Swedish massage parlor drinking a delicious Mai Tai. And, and like, that's how it all starts. And the South Park's uh, uh, zip lining episode. To make a long story short. Oh, my to make God. make a long that, story short. I had never <laughs> seen that episode till you brought it up, till you uh, popped it on my TV. It reminds me of that when you ask a question, maybe even a yes or a no, 
and then they go into the whole backstory yeah, I mean, of what their answer is going to be. In Bolivia, wouldn't you have Bolivian massage parlors? Well, you have Swedish Just massage asking. parlors everywhere. Okay. Right? They're everywhere. Research, do your research, dude. Come Let's on. Why do you think I subscribe to the Travel Channel? All right. <laughs> Next up, uh, Michael Hamilton writes, Hey, John and crew, found out the other day that David Oweloa is the voice of... Uh, Callus and Rebels. Yes, and we were always very big excited about that. Uh, also, is there anything Jared Leto can't do? Not only is he a gifted actor, but he is also a great musician. Oh, yeah. I love his band. I really do. I like his music a lot. 30 Seconds to Mars. I, I like... What was what was it again? Which movie was it where somebody brings up 30 Seconds... Or was it The Office where somebody brings up 30 Seconds to Mars and goes, listen, we've been over this. It's not actually... 30 seconds to Mars. <laughs> or I can't remember which movie or TV show that was. By the way, Jared Leto is in a science fiction film that not a lot of people have seen called Mr. Nobody that I cannot recommend highly enough. Which one is that again? It's 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 sort of a road Not less... to be confused with Nobody. No, it's Mr. Nobody. It's a road less traveled film about different different ways to lead your life and it begins in the future where Jared Leto is I believe the oldest man left on earth. Ooh. And it's and watch the director's cut if you can. It is an incredible film. I really I, like when he's in a movie for like five minutes. I like a short Leto, like Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's I feel like Leto. the sweet spot with a Leto. Um, by the way, uh, big props to Nikki Pop Rocky in the live chat. Uh, pop star never stop, never stopping. I that that's that where movie. the quotes from. We've oh. been over this. It's not it's literally so thirty seconds of March. Good call out on that one, man. Wow. All right, next up. Uh, Mikey Joyce writes, I love that movie, by the way. Pop it's star, great. never stop, it's never so stop. Fun. That so and Get Him to the Greek. Those uh, two music industry movies. I, I, never, I never got into Get, get Him to oh. the Greek. Oh, that soundtrack is solid. Pet the oh, Wall. Oh, the soundtrack is good. good. Pet All the right. Wall. Mike Joyce writes, um, anyone watching Superman and Lois, the Superman versus Bizarro fight uh, this week was pretty good for CW. Is, is anybody in here watching Superman I, Lois? I've watched all of season one, and I haven't started season two. I really liked season one. I did, too. I thought it was really good. Yeah. I did until Diggle showed up. Oh. And once Diggle showed up, there was a disconnect in my brain. Because I was loving Superman and Lois. I was loving that show. Mm-hmm. Because I can, my brain convinced itself this has nothing to do with the rest of the CW. Uh, this is not the jobber Superman that they so disrespect and so treated in the CW. And I just had this disconnect. And then when Diggle showed up, again, a character I really like showed up. It was like my brain broke. It was like, I, and I tried to keep watching it. It's like, I can't enjoy this anymore. I wanted to enjoy it. I tried. It's like, it's, it just got, it's like having a delicious bowl of soup. And then somebody poured an entire bottle of salt into it. It's like, I want to still eat it, and I want to still like it, but I can't anymore. That's so fair. I yeah. kind of ditched on it after that, but I'm glad a lot of people are still liking it. And and by the way, what's his name? Holkin? Uh, Tyler Hoken? Or Hocklin? Yeah. Hocklin, whatever. Sorry, he does he's, a really good job. He's a great Superman. He's such a good Clark. Oh, my gosh. And Lois is fantastic. I love this Lois. I, I love the approach they took with the show. Mm-hmm. I, I really did. All right, next up. Uh, Gnome writes... Peacemaker is so damn good. Every episode is pure, is a pure time of fun. I hope season two is already in process. Ray, I'm sorry for Moonfall. LOL. Cheers from Israel. Uh, It's all right. Shalom. uh, Shalom. Definitely. Yeah, listen, they've got to do with these numbers. I don't care what their purpose was for Peacemaker. They've got to be talking season two with the numbers they're having. They've got to do another one and probably Cena's in for a big pay raise. 
at some point. Probably so. So is James Gunn if he's got time. Although I don't know if I can watch Peacemaker season two if it's not written directed by James Gunn. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, or at least show run by James Gunn. And I don't know if he's going to have the time. All right, next up, uh, Luis De Rico de la Pena writes. Uh, welcome back, Chris. Uh, do you know uh, they're filming a live-action adaptation movie based on Saint Sia? Sia. Prince Saint Sia, Knights of the Zodiac. I'm not familiar with it. Directed by uh, Tomas Baginski, executive producer in The Witcher. Oh, starring Sean Bean and Famke Jansen. First of all, I love both of them. Yeah. Chris, what are we talking about here? Okay, so Saint Seiya, uh, Knights of the Zodiac, is a anime that I believe first was from the 1970s or early 80s. It's been around for a while. It's been around for a while. And basically, it's all these different knights taking care of the reincarnated form of Athena, the goddess. Um, but they're all also kind of like wrestlers. Which is really fun, and the original was very Wait, violent. So back up. They they like <laughs> they have these little fights that are very reminiscent of wrestling. It's super super fun, but they also because it's anime have all these excellent superpowers. Um, there was an adaptation that came out on Netflix uh, about a year or two ago. Um, that's not great. Emily Neves uh, does voice acting in it, and she's phenomenal in it. But um, the show itself is a little kiddie. So a live action one I'm very excited about. And I also read, too, in The Hollywood Reporter that this is going to be um, fight choreographed by Andy Chang, who's from Jackie Chan's group. So I think the fight should be really cool. I like Sean Bean. Oh, I love I Sean Bean. be fun. Bean. And I, I like Pam K. Jensen. I, mean, oh. I like her a lot. Oh, yes. She played Xenia on a top in GoldenEye. Oh. oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. And she was in Blacklist. Yes, and she then was. she starred in the black in the very very short lived blacklist spinoff that didn't. I actually like the spinoff. I mm. did, and that didn't last very long. All right, uh, next up we got A. Marcellus, who writes, "I'm being a Star Wars nerd again. Yoda trained Jedi for 800 years and died when he was 900. So naturally, he started training at 100 years old. Grogu is 50. I'm wondering when he is maturing. Yeah, that came up the other day because like, oh, if we see Grogu pop up." In Book of Boba Fett, uh, like, how do you think he's going to talk? Is he going to talk like Yoda and backwards? It was like, I don't think he's going to be talking yet. He's still way too young. I think he's probably a good 20 years away from probably talking and things. But I, who knows what they're going to do there, A. Marcel? It's I, a good point to bring up. I have I have a prediction. What's that? Okay, At some go. point in The Mandalorian or whatever in the future, we will see Grogu's first words. At some point, yeah. I, We're going to see do, But let me ask you this. And though. they're going to be awesome. But do you think it will either happen? Give me an over under percentage. Do you think we will see it happen in either Book of Boba Fett or the very next season of Mandalorian? Because I don't think it's going to happen in either of those two. I don't either. I think it, 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 you got to get a little further along. Right. But there's going to be a moment where because every baby has to have its first words. Yeah. And it's going to be whatever that baby. He's going to do something. Din. Unleash. Din. Oh, I hope so. His first words going to be Din. Okay, Chris is already ready to cry. I love that it's the story of a single dad just trying to do the best for his son. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Lone Wolf and Cub. That, I mean, up. that's what it is, right? I mean, yeah. I've always said that's one of the big influences of it. All right, next up, we got Scott D. who writes, I love the Alan Tudyk married to choreographer for Peacemaker. Oh, I didn't realize they were married. I had heard that Alan Tudyk actually helped with the choreography of the opening of Peacemaker. How great is that? But I didn't know he was married to her. Helped develop the opening sequence dance and was a stand-in for Cena uh, while they were making it. Yeah, I just found that out, that Alan Tudyk helped choreograph, and I'm like, of course he did. I love that this Juilliard-trained actor just is doing the weirdest shit, where he's like, let me help you with this dance, let me voice every bird in Disney. Like, oh. K2SO. Oh my God. Mm. Now, you know, one of my favorite things from the last D23 
was when um, I'm forgetting who's the guy who plays Cassian again. Um, Diego Luna. Diego Luna. Yeah. When Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk came out on stage together, and they talked about, uh, oh yes, yes, that's right. They were on stage, and they hadn't yet announced the name for the Cassian Andor show, and they were on stage with Kathleen Kennedy, and. So, you know, so we're not quite ready to announce the title, blah, blah, blah. And then Alan Tudor goes, uh, you know, Kathleen, I, I have a suggestion. It's like, what is it? And he goes, think of it, call it Star Wars. K2 Fast, K2 Furious. <laughs> and that was, of course, his big fit. It's like, a, Alan Tudor is a treasure. Speaking of big. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Rob. Well, I was just to say, how cool was it seeing those, uh, those droids unleash in the last episode oh, of that was, Mandalore. Oh, that whole <laughs> 15 seconds, but it was so good. I, I loved it. What do you say, Ray? Oh, I'm just bringing up the fact that Diego Luna is in something else, too. The Terminal. <laughs> the best top of the totem pole movie no. for romantic comedies. No. Wow. Terminal. Dude. You don't like Terminal? I mean, I Young Ray, but I don't think it's that good. Yeah, what? yeah. Mine is a house divided. Anne I, loves yeah, Terminal. I Ray loves had Terminal. An acting teacher of mine burst into the uh, the classroom and goes, "I'm really mad at Catherine Zeta Jones." <laughs> we all were like, "Hello to you too, Sam. How you doing?" He's like, "I just saw Forty Year Old Virgin. Now I'm furious with Catherine Zeta Jones." We're like, "That's a weird." What did connection. that have to do with Catherine? He went and saw the Terminal, and then afterwards, like a few days later, he saw Forty Year Old Virgin, and he was like, "Catherine Keener was so wonderful and oh, raw and real, yeah. and then Catherine Zeta Jones was so concerned with being pretty on screen, and I am so mad. Being pretty is pretty fucking useless, y'all. You better learn." And I was like, "Oh, okay. That's a great takeaway. Thank wow. you so much." I know. Being pretty's gotten right pretty far. I feel like well, it's yeah. true. <laughs> All right, My whole career is based on beauty. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep going here. Uh, next up, Enrique uh, Casares writes, "Hey John, I know you're not a fan of fan casting, but uh, Christopher." <laughs> Hivju, a.k.a. Tormund, I love him, by the way, is my pick to play Kratos in a potential God of War movie or series. Thanks. I, I mean, I don't know that he's the right pick, but oh, my God. One of the greatest things about Game of Thrones was his crush on Brienne of Tarth. Brienne, Brienne of Tarth and the actress's name who's in Star Wars. Gwendolyn Christie. Gwendolyn Christie. All right. That whole thing. I mean, the number of memes that went around was find somebody who looks at you the way Tarmond looks at Brienne of Tarth. I mean, that was great. And then all of a sudden, he's the Days In guy. He does all the Days yeah. In commercials or things. It's like, and he's so good in them. So I uh, had a great episode of The Witcher this season too. That's right. Mm -hmm. Totally forgot him. He popped up in there. I want to see him pop up more. I do like Same. him. All right, Leo Liang writes, uh, John. Uh, John Bradley's back must hurt from carrying the plot of Moonfall and carrying Jon Snow through the Game of Thrones. Oh, okay, yeah, that was uh, the, the what's his name? You know what? I have never seen him in anything else other than playing Sam in uh, Game of Thrones. I've never seen him in anything else. I thought watching move. I I didn't like Moonfall, but I'm like, I can watch him in more stuff. Yeah, yeah, he was good. I thought he was good. He was good. Right? I thought, I mean, he played what he, he yeah, played the character really he well. was given to play, he brought it to life for me. Even though the character wasn't a great character, he brought no, I, it to I'd life. I'd give for you me. that. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him that one. All right, next up. Uh, Brandon Blake writes, uh, not exactly a fair comparison because it's five episodes versus two seasons, but based on what we've seen so far each, Peacemaker or The Boys, which are you taking? Uh, I mean, 
Oh. <sighs> I heard the boys was a little raunchy too, right? It can be. It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's I why it's so, so fun. It's so full of awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. You know what? It, it's. That's a tough call. <laughs> right now, this moment, I will lean towards the boys. But I don't know. I like, look, here's the thing. If you told me, okay, tomorrow there's a new episode of Peacemaker and there's a new episode oh, of The Boys. That's good. That's good. And you can only watch one tomorrow. Oh. Oh, my God. I don't know. You know, the thing about The Boys, though, is I think it has a bigger canvas that it's playing on. It does. In yep. terms of, of its, its themes, not just there's a lot of politics in there. There's a lot of world building in there. So I think The Boys is a more fulfilling experience in terms of fantasy sci-fi but peacemaker has more character-based pathos and humor in a way even though the boys has that too but they're different they're they're different but they're both so good um all right next up uh, Amar Salsrice, Rice, unreleased footage of the canceled Star Wars 1313 game just came out. Uh, looks like it would have been primarily a Boba Fett game. I mean, it, it, it's hard to know. Boba Fett was definitely a part of it. It's hard to know truly how much of it he was going to be part of, mm -hmm. but it was always about this, the underground crime the aspect the underbelly of the star wars world so how big of a party would have been in there i'm not really sure uh duba juba writes hey john whenever i feel low on some days like right now uh, you lift my mood like a happy fluffy ball don't ever call me a fluffer uh i think you are my low days ball i'm not even quite sure how to do that but do watch three idiots everybody's writing in to talk about three idiots. at some point i'm gonna have to watch it but listen for me too talking about movies with fellow people who are into movies or hearing a good conversation about movies, it always lifts me up too, man. And I'm glad this show can be that for you. Dude. I want to see fan artwork of all of us as happy fluffy balls. Oh, what does that I, look like? Oh, no. Oh. Let me put a, a dead stop no. that right now. Do not dead send those. Stop. Do not send those in. I have my own ball pictures I draw at home. Oh. Wait, what? <laughs> Ray, do you want to expand on that? <laughs> Back to you, <laughs> John. <laughs> All right. For the weather. Just got a couple more left here. Splendorous writes, uh, would you consider Moonfall to be a so bad it's good film at least? No. no. Uh, I love how crazy, funny, and dumb most Emmerich films are. And I like a lot of Emmerich films. I do too. That's why I said. I mean, it's a tone issue for me. Yeah. I mean, listen, there are definitely movies that are so bad. <laughs> Vanilla Ice is cool as ice. But probably the greatest bad movie ever, in, in my opinion. But I mean, do you have those? But no, this was just bad. I, I have to say, like, you know, I, I keep going back to Stone Cold with Brian Bosworth, oh right. <laughs> directed by Craig Bax, you know, your go to baby. OK, but here's the thing. Stone Cold as a as a let's call it a B action movie is still good, it is. even though Bosworth rolls up with the mullet hair and the frosted oh. tips. And it's kind of goofy. Lance Henriksen is awesome in that movie and Forsyth is awesome and it, it it has the tone is correct so you can watch stone cold and be like that movie kicked ass and i wanted i wanted moonfall to have that gooey chewy science fiction awe and wonder in it even though it's yeah. This was just like you were talking about the tone was all over the place and you're going from one storyline where you don't care to this kind of epic science fiction story that you do so it's all over the place all right Next up, we've got John Redcorn who writes, it won't happen, but I want Triple H as Kratos in a God of War film. No. 
even though I know he can't act. Correct. Uh, have, you, <laughs> have you seen The Chaperone? Listen, I will tell you what. I unapologetically, Triple H, uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsworth, Paul... Helmsworth. Paul... Is that his actual... Uh, uh, Jean-Paul Levesque. Jean-Paul Levesque is one of my top three favorite wrestlers of all time. Oh, wow. Really? I love the game. Okay, I love okay. the I'm game. I'm not going to argue with you on that. Love him. Um, but he cannot act. And I remember I was so excited when he was going to be in Blade 3. Woo! Yeah. He can't He can't be the next Rock, and he cannot be the next uh, John Cena. That's not his forte. Uh, so, no, I probably wouldn't want to see him as Kratos. Not at all. All right. Uh, Jerome writes, what is your opinion on the Jamie slash Beth conflict on Yellowstone and any theories where it's heading the next season? Man, I'll tell you what. I, one of the reasons why I love Yellowstone so much is because even your favorite characters are wrong. <laughs> in, in, they're right in a lot of things, and they're wrong in a lot of things. And the Jamie-Beth conflict on that show is one of the greatest examples of that. Like, I get the rage that Beth feels towards Jamie. But at the same time, I empathize with Jamie. Jamie, I mean, if you don't watch Yellowstone, none of this is going to make sense to you, but Jamie, when he was a kid, made a decision that he thought was the right decision at the time that ended very badly for Beth, and Beth has had this hatred and resentment towards him ever since. But Jamie is not all empathetic because he does some really bad, stupid things too. And this brother and sister... Like, I, I want them so badly to patch things up and make amends, but I get it. And it's just, and like, even though Beth is so smart and does so many right things in the show, and she's such one of the greatest characters on TV right now, she is so wrong about how she's so negative on Jamie. And yet, oh, I love it. It just makes it so compelling to watch. It's, it is, I think, my favorite show on TV right now. That is a good endorsement because I've been meaning to get around to watching this because yeah. I love Western stuff. But... It's so good. Okay. And not like all the, first of all, Kevin Costner, one of the best characters in television right now. Um, uh, Rip is like the ultimate man. Like Rip on this show is like the ultimate man. One of the best shows on television. One of the best characters on television. Beth, absolutely one of the best characters on television. And Beth and Rip's relationship it is like something that should not work and it so works. And it's like, here's, here's a great example. There's a scene that I pulled Anne into the room to say, okay, and you know, I've been watching the show. This is the reason why I love this relationship so, so much um, where like Rip is this big manly uh, cowboy. Who's like all code, all honor, all this is the way to do it. And like Beth is so strong headed and so whatever. And there's this great scene in Yellowstone, one of the one of the final episodes of the season, where like they have an argument about something. And you don't see them argue because they love each other so dearly. It's like they to each other, they are the only things that have any sway over the other. Like nothing can sway Beth except for Rip. Nothing can sway or move Rip except for Beth, right? And they get in this big fight over something, which is so rare she goes, and she just finally stops and goes, fuck you. And walk away. And Rip kind of has this, excuse me, look. And she's walking away. And then she stops. She turns around. Why? This tells you everything about the girl. She walks back to him. She goes, 
I love you more than anything. And it's just, and you're just this smile on his face. Like, tell she's totally pissed at him, but they have that. It's hard to put into words how good this show is. It's really great. If you haven't started on Yellowstone, guys, do start on Yellowstone. All right, guys, listen. Uh, the last couple ones that came in here, CMG2491, Mr. Wolfgang, and Brian Blair all send in super chat badges just to be supportive. And guys, that's all of our time today. That'll do it for this installment of the John Campia Show. Once again, we, we didn't have time to get around to the tipped in questions, so there is a big companion video coming, guys. If you sent in a tip question using the tip link, don't worry, your question is going to get asked. We're going to do it in a companion video, so make sure you guys tune in for that. You know, this is what this is really turning into. I think the tip questions are going to become questions we get around to at the end of the show if, when we have time, and, and, and often we do have time to get around to some of them, but I think it's only going to be a part of them and then the rest are going to have to be done in companion videos but we'll see we're trying to work all that out to make sure all the questions get answered in a timely manner but for now guys that'll do it for this installment of the john campion show thank you guys so much for being here making this show part of your day i want to thank everybody who's in the room of course robert meyer burnett robert where can people find you yeah Yo, you can find me on instagram at robert meyer burnett find me on twitter at burnett rm or on my own youtube channel the burnett work ray aura yes. ladies and gentlemen where can people follow ray aura at ray aura with a zero and sitting right beside him, of course, is Chris Carr. Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at, at actor Chris Carr on Twitter and Instagram, or you can go to my website, chris-carr.com. Chris with a K, you guys. Y'all keep calling me C Chris. Come on. Yes, Chris with a K. And of course, you can follow me simply at John Campia. That's John with a J. You can follow me there on Instagram or, of course, on Twitter. You can see it right there. All right, guys. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those comments and questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel while you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so much for your support. That'll do it for now, guys. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.